Hey, everybody. Guess who's back? Mm, mm, back again. Mm, mm, Shady's back. Yep, it's just me. Just Luke. Uh, welcome back. Welcome me back. Welcome back to me, Luke Tim, with uh, a brand new podcast for you today, All the Things with Luke Tim. It feels great to be back in the saddle doing this stuff. Um, I, I really kind of wanted to try and pull off a podcast in Kenya on the trip, and it did not happen. And I honestly didn't really think it would because <laughs> it's just the conditions are so hard, which I talk about a little bit in the uh, in the podcast today. We do get into the refugee camp situation in Kakama. If you don't know where that is, just Google it. Uh, it's in northwest Kenya, but it's got an interesting story behind it, and I try and get into some of that a little bit. And I think the most important thing... Um, that I communicate is that this is such a complicated situation and it is such a tough place to to be, whether you're a refugee or a local or a missionary, it's rough. It's humanity in its most raw, its most graphically disturbing, um, yet incredibly beautiful all at the same time. It's so complicated. The politics, the, the economy, everything is... And, and by no means am I an expert. Please don't think that I, I know uh, everything about this place. I probably screwed some stuff up trying to describe it. I've been there twice. I've been to Kenya a bunch of times. Um, I think I tried to add it up the other day. It's somewhere around 12, 12 or 15 times that I've, I've spent time in Kenya doing this work. We've got members of our church who worship and have their own worship service who are from Kenya. So I actually I get the culture to an extent, but like once you start to understand the culture of a foreign place, first thing you realize is there's so much more to it than just trying to get it and understand. So, um, yeah, I hope I hope I did some service to this trip and the place that we were at because it was awesome, an awesome trip. So that's part of what I talk about, trying to give a description of what that's like. And um, I'm with Duncan. So Duncan's on the podcast today. We started with a conversation on healthcare. I don't know why we would do that because clearly, you will clearly hear how the two of us don't know what we are actually talking about. We we made an attempt, and it was really just a discussion between he and I about about healthcare. And I don't, yeah, we don't see eye to eye. In fact, I'd, I'd say we're opposites on this. I'm all about single payer and. Uh, socialized medicine and he's all about something um way different open market uh, or free market capitalism and um letting people die i think i don't it's hard to but please please know this (laughs) you are going to hear the two of us say a lot of dumb things (laughs) and it's it's okay (laughs) we don't necessarily agree with the dumb things that we are saying uh, it was off the cuff, not planned. I, I honestly don't remember how it came up, but neither one of us dropped it for a while. We just kind of kept talking, talking about healthcare. But this we agree on that healthcare is screwed up right now in our country, and this is not the best way we can do things. And there's obviously um, two different ways to look at it, just between he and I. So there's probably a, a hundred more different ways to to look at it. Probably a hundred more different ways to to crack that nut or to skin that cat or to do uh, healthcare in a good way. So, yeah, pardon, forgive. Um, I, I'm sure I didn't say things well and sound pretty dumb, but whatever. Other than that, um, 
yeah, great to be back. If you have any topics you'd like me to cover, let me know. I, um, I'm hoping to do a podcast soon. A request on prayer came in, so yeah, that seems like a good topic. And as always, there's a little bit of language in this in this episode. It's not bad, but again, um, not intended for the Sunday school audience, intended um, just for you to listen in on a couple of guys talking about Jesus and church and healthcare, um, I guess. Yeah. All right. Uh, so without any further ado, let's welcome back again, my good friend, Duncan. telling me something about Africa. <laughs> I was. <laughs> oh. Good to be back? It is. It's really good to be back. It's good to be me. It's good to be here. It's good to be... I'm almost back. I always tell people the first week my brain is still caught up in customs. But uh, I got... You know, I did, um, did a couple things different this time that have been really helpful. I'm all for jet lag. I'm all about cheating when it comes to jet lag. So I do Ambien when I come back. Yeah, well, I do Ambien from the moment wheels go up, and I'm leaving, and wheels come down, and I come back, it's Ambien. But even Ambien is like, you get sort of a, I don't know, um, it's not that I get used to it, but it, I can wake up, it used to be that I took an Ambien, and I'm gone for eight hours, and so that's, that's how the trip starts, I take an Ambien, and I sleep for eight hours. By the end of the trip, I take an Ambien, and I might wake up after four or five hours, so this time when I got back, I broke an Ambien in half, took it at like 9 o'clock, set an alarm for um, midnight, woke up, and took the other half so that it would delay. And I'd slept all the, so I slept all the way through the night every night since I've been back. So according to NASA, it takes one day for every time zone you go through on your trip to get back to normal. So how many time zones were you away? Nine. So you are now... I'm on day three. So you are, this is going to be a fun podcast. Because <laughs> not only are you, jet, according to NASA, you got a, almost mm-hmm. a week to go. So come to Luke's church this weekend. It'll be, <laughs> it'll be fun. Um, but also, oh, I talked to, uh, I talked to uh, Petrak. Oh, yeah. You're filling. Yeah. He yeah. wants to be your associate pastor, I, I would, think. I would love for him to be I think. Associate. I think. We, I saw him at the gym huh. lifting weights. He's a great guy, and I'm not going to lie. I, I planted a seed about – because he's, he's a professor right now, so it's not like he's got the space to have a day job, but – However <laughs> – I, I said to him, so is this a eventual thing? Someday you're, you're going to be, you know, pastor full-time? So I'm not sure, this and that. So I'm not – we can talk off air. Yeah, they may they may come when when the know. powers that be at DMAC are listening to your podcast. We need to <laughs> obviously share information about one of their. Man, he's a good guy. Most, he is. I like he interrupted back day though. I had four sets to go, and Dan <laughs> Dan started talking, and then and then we were out of time, and so Dan cut into my back workout. Very important to get a full twenty five sets on back, or it just doesn't count. Wow, that's kind of crazy. It is. I don't do that much. I can. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so so Dan so Dan really enjoyed his time here. Good good R- running running herd. Yeah. You were in Africa. You have six days to come down off your. So not only are you jet lagged, according to NASA, for six more days, but you're also on drugs as we venture into the next hour and yeah, actually, fifty minutes. I, I again the, the ambient thing. Like I tell people, I just I try and just jerk back on schedule, force my body, and I'm close. I'm at like I'm at probably eighty ninety percent right now. And the other thing that I did this time, I came back and I got a shot of B twelve. Mm-hmm. Like I went in and, and did the whole butt cheek giant syringe and just filled my body with B12. And holy crap, it's, it's not actually all that good for you to do it very often. But like they say, you shouldn't do it more than once a month. This is the second time I've done it ever. So I'm not worried about what it. What happens if you take too much B12? That I don't know. My doctor just said. It might be good to look that up at some point. <laughs> Continue to get large quantities yeah. of it inserted into your butt. Yeah. Something like. Oh, it's like a thousand times. <laughs> three years, insane. three years of vitamin B twelve right in the in the left cheek. Yeah, yeah it's, it's insane. But like you get a like this energy buzz, and it, it it's like totally masking all of my my jet lag right now. So I'm I'm digging it. I'm a fan. Yeah, better living through pharmaceuticals. I'll take every drug you put in front of me. I'm the reason why things like heroin are illegal. <laughs> Because I would totally try that. <laughs> Super excited. Super excited. There is, in fact, there's a, so there's a thing in, in Africa called mira. And it is a leaf of some sort. Technically it's, not heroin, but. But it's a, some kind of crazy stimulant. And um, there are drug dealers, drug addicts, uh, and they all, they all trade in this thing called mira. And I want it. And I want it very badly. And I, I could have gotten it easily, but what are, what are the effects? I, I say I don't know. I, my is it pre workout tingly or is it <laughs> LSD? I can run through a wall. No, is it? It's not. Um, it's not psychoactive. It is stimulant. So if if I were to guess, and this is only a guess, so four scoops. Yeah. I, well, <laughs> see, that's like that's B twelve, and that's B twelve niacin, um, a bunch of other the warm thing where someone's like, oh, you got a sunburn. No, no, I did my not. My skin is actually on fire <laughs> from the inside. <laughs> I love that feeling. I'll, you, you can just take a bunch of niacin. I've done this before. Take a bunch of niacin and get the super tingles. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's just, you start sweating. Yeah. It's hot. And mm-hmm. It's like, I want to, yeah, I don't know why I'm doing this. but it, <laughs> Why not? But yeah, the, if I were to venture a guess, I would say that um, Mira is something like cocaine. And that's why I want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, like if, if you take coca leaves and chew on them, mm-hmm. you get a bit of that stimulant buzz. But it's when you take, you know, 400 pounds and you cook it down to a line and you take all of it at once up your nose, then you get that. Woo-hoo! You so, feel things. You feel awesome things. It's It's great. You just want the dopamine hit. Yeah. And it's... So most people don't realize they've had variants of cocaine because lidocaine is a cocaine-based substance. Lidocaine, cocaine, it's, it's mm-hmm. the same thing, medicinally altered some, but it, it gives you like a numbing feeling um, and when it's in your bloodstream. So if you took lidocaine and, and put it, well, you'd probably die, but along the way, you'd have similar effects of cocaine, but it's a topical. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I'll stick with the two scoops. I don't understand. 
do drugs, kids. We're it's good. great. It's, it's fantastic. <laughs> I was telling somebody that on this trip. I, I always tell people, um, yeah, I mean, I chew nicotine gum. It's freaking great. You ever try it? No. <laughs> I had surprising, surprisingly, no. Um, my, my, my best experience came when I, uh, I had mono in high school. Well, I was dating a cheerleader, not surprisingly. And <laughs> they misdiagnosed it as like Did the something else. Did the wrestling team have mono too? <laughs> but the, it was the wrestling team. <laughs> we can talk about the ringworm later. No, it was – and so um, misdiagnosed. And for some reason, they thought I had a really bad case of strep. They diagnosed me with prednisone. Yeah. some prednisone. This was back when you could do that. And so I got pre- – not, no, not, not prednisone. Um, Percocet. They should have given me prednisone. Yeah, Sorry getting my and so you're 18 you've never done gone down that everything's been like amoxicillin advil now you're introducing percocet i didn't eat or drink for three days this stuff is great i did and you know i was up in my room i'm sick you know mom i guess forgot that she had a son upstairs that she had to water and feed <laughs> so i just feeling better probably not going to come out of the room because i don't know where the door is and, <laughs> But that was a lot of fun, and then, but it led to acute dehydration. I had to spend three days in the hospital, Jeez. where that was where I was introduced to prednisone. Which, yeah. for those of you that have mono, prednisone gets rid of mono. Yeah, it helps. No, it did. Yeah, yeah. It and the next day I was so I had really bad acute dehydration and mono, and they gave me Percocet. The day I got out of the hospital, we had crew practice rowing skinny yeah. boats, moving backwards. Now, why that's my sport because. It's the only sport you can win, sitting on your butt moving backwards, and that's about at my, you know, skill level. <laughs> and so we uh, got out of the hospital and went. We had our, our, our ERG test, rowing machine test, to determine who's the best, who's the worst. Pulled the best score for the entire team for the entire season the day I got out of the hospital on prednisone. prednisone. Yeah, it's a steroid. It's fantastic. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm for it. I'm all for it. Percocet, prednisone, it was a good, it was a good week yeah. when you're 18. <laughs> when my wife had, so the, with our first kid, um, we had, we, she had no, um, you can take credit for it. It's fine. <laughs> you were in pain too. That's right. She had no pain meds. The kid came screaming fast and she just had to squeeze a baby out and it was over with. Second one, she went with um, just like basic pain meds, uh, and then had afterwards had a Percocet, and she lost her shit. She <laughs> she's, she's she starts crying and she goes, "I just can't I can't think straight. I'm I'm foggy. I feel numb everywhere. I, I this is why. <laughs> yeah. She goes, this is why I don't drink. And my exact words were, that's why I do, honey. <laughs> No, this is great. So we kept a couple of those, <laughs> you know, because for emergencies, emergencies. And I, I actually do have, um, I have just piles of, uh, I think I've got a few hydrocodones, a few Percocets, all so- shoulder surgery stuff. And I just keep them on that back shelf. So, you know, one day if I twist, twist an ankle or something, yeah, paper cut, yeah, whatever, right. whatever, bad day. Bad day. <laughs> So, so, okay, let's go down the road of opio- opioid crisis. Is it? Yes. What do we do, what do, we do about that? So people, people get, they go to the hospital, they get tossed a month's worth of pills for something they need three days' worth, they get hooked, it feels good, I want to continue to feel good, so in order to feel good, now that my legal prescription is over, I have to go to the illegal stuff, which is laced with stuff that kills you. 
Well, it's what they go towards is um, so it's it's the same pain receptors because they're opioids. Is it, it's derived from the poppy seed, which is where heroin comes from. So it's all the same receptors. So that's why that that's the simple crossover. It's heroin is not an expensive drug. Um, it's not hard to, to make, and it's pouring in through the, the border. So one one the the big one was in Boston where they cracked down on prescription mm-hmm. meds, and heroin spiked through the roof, and and heroin deaths are way more common today. I would say something like thirty thousand people die from um, heroin and opioids every year. It's, it's something insane, and I'm I'm of the opinion that it's it's a multi-headed beast and i think that one of the ways to go at it is to legalize marijuana i really do <laughs> because the the market for getting opioids and heroin is so high if there was a legal alternative that is safe those those same the, the population of people who are using are just going to slide over it's it's way easier to to just move that direction I don't see, and and nobody has ever died ever from marijuana. It, it is not able to kill you. It, I mean, it it can make your it can life put you tough. in a state of mind where it's hard to make decisions to keep yourself alive. Right. But However, the substance does not kill people. Well, this gets this gets down to the libertarian argument, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if you want to go and and the 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 only reason why I think you keep marijuana illegal is two two reasons. One. In a in a country where medicine is what fifty percent socialized, right? Oh, so if someone yeah. if someone gets sick to make them well, it all costs us money. There's that element of it that no, your health is my business because da 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 da. I'm paying for it. So you, there is an argument to be made that therefore they should pass laws to compel people from making stupid decisions. They're going to cost us all money down the road. Answer to that is you get rid of socialized medicine or elements of our. Healthcare system that are socialized. Yeah. The other argument is that you can compel treatment. So somebody whose life is in the crapper, right, and they're hooked on all this stuff, instead of jail, I can compel you to go to treatment. Now, unless someone's really into treatment, it's not going to work. However, it gives you that it gives you that alternative. The downside of criminalization of marijuana is you can't regulate it, tax it, make money off it. Right, but I don't. I just don't think that number one. I I, I don't. I think we should go the other way and go all socialized medicine because we already have functioning models. Medicare and Medicaid is just socialized medicine for old people. And it doesn't work. Well, it kind of works. It doesn't work No, it work doesn't. Well. Let me tell you why it doesn't work. It doesn't work because it's not patient-centered care. Correct. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm and, that, and that right there means – to me, it means it doesn't work. Well, it's, it doesn't here's, – here's, here's another reason why it doesn't work. So my folks, right, they're old and they're living at home. And they have in-home care. This is one example of many, and I've been on the board of conglomerates, the nursing homes, all that kind of stuff, so I can have other stories too. However, this one hits close to home. Dad's 97. He'll be 98 at the end of the month. Happy birthday, Dad. They're looking to move out here, which is going to be awesome. Anyway, um, they need in-home care for Dad. The in-home care right now costs $19 an hour. They had it 24 hours a day. It was costing $455 a day for in-home care. They've since pulled back to about 12 hours a day, so it's within their budget, right? Medicare won't spend a dime on that. However, Medicare would pay for them to go into a home together, which would cost much, 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 Uh much more. (laughs) That doesn't work. 
doesn't make sense. And so the argument then is, well, it's kind of like the argument of socialism. Like, well, we just never really had true socialism. Like, well, we've never really had true socialized medicine. It's like, yeah, but you're never going to. There's always going to be flaws that are going to cost my folks $225 a day. You're never going to make it perfect. And you're, you're removing the ability of people to make their own decisions. In a way. But no, completely. <laughs> if you go socialized, well, not, not see. There's always the black market. <laughs> no, it's yes. The, prob- the problem with is we've never tried true socialized medicine. So no. go ahead. No, well, that's besides the point. But the problem is that we're. It not- is the point. The point is you can't do what you say you're going to do. Well, uh, the, our problem right now with with healthcare is it's not patient centered. Well, that, again, it's, it's a multi-headed monster, but I think the biggest problem is, is health insurance. So the whole Obamacare thing was, was passed off as um, a, a health care act. It has nothing to do with health care. It has everything to do with health insurance. Insurance is a big, dumb, stupid thing when it comes to your health. It's a really 98% s- of the time, I agree with you. It's, it's a really smart, awesome thing for your stuff. So you have stuff that you insure like a house and uh but now when it comes to healthcare we're talking more about services we're talking more about so what if mm-hmm. i tried to sell mm-hmm. you um restaurant insurance meaning that you pay a premium to me you, you pay me 10 bucks a month and you go out to a steak dinner and you have a steak dinner and you go that wasn't very good and and it it's a 50 dollar dinner but you know i'm only going to pay Thirty dollars because I paid. It's it's freaking stupid, and, and nobody does any kind of insurance on a service. This is our problem. We're, yes. we're trying to insure something that doesn't have a, a value that is easy to assess. Because what is the value of a life? We say, well, that's that's priceless. So we will spend every dime to keep somebody alive, right? Not any, more or less, more <laughs> or less. So now, what is the what is the value of having a functioning shoulder? So I have shoulder surgery. We're insuring now the health of my shoulder. And somebody goes, well, if your shoulder's, you know, 50%, that's fine. I don't want a 50% shoulder. I want 100% shoulder. I want to have the surgery. Well, insurance doesn't cover that. That's our problem. Well, no, the problem <laughs> is people don't read their policies. Well, right? Because when I, when, I, when I engage in that transaction with my insurance company, is, is the due diligence on me to understand fully what exactly, what, what, what is the product I'm buying? And the product I'm buying says we're okay with 50% shoulder, right? That's the problem is people don't read their policy. They don't understand it because they're not written to be understood. The other problem with that is we don't know the true cost of something, right? How much did your heart surgery cost? I don't know. The insurance, I had a $1,000 deductible. So the big thing with insurance is like with a car, like with a house, you want to mitigate against catastrophic risk. So I want to pay a small premium for the big one, Mm -hmm. right? Everything else I'll pay out of pocket. It's fine, but you can't do that. That's what that's what the uh, the the ACA right mm-hmm. um, said. No, you can't just buy the plan you want. You have to buy plans that we approve of. Ninety eight percent of your health care is just you wanting to go talk to your doctor and your doctor practicing medicine on you. It's not a complicated arrangement. Right. It's you and a professional. The problem is right now the way it's done in America, whether you're pro private market or pro socialist medicine, is. There's too many other hands out there that are that are skimming off the top. Uh-huh. So I go talk to my doctor. My doctor's getting a kickback from a drug company to prescribe something for me that I may or may not need. Yep. Um, I also have to. He also has to pay a ton of malpractice insurance mm-hmm. because anyone can sue for any reason at all, and people that lose 
uh, malpractice claims don't have to pay both sides. That would be a good way to get rid of of the ambulance chasers. In addition to that, um, just, just the amount of ha- the insurance company has their hand out there. They need to make their shareholders happy. Right. The ninety eight percent of the time, again, we're not talking about the catastrophic or long term emergency care. Ninety eight percent of the time, I just want to go see my doctor. Right. This is not complicated. But again, getting back to the insuring services. So now part of the problem is, mm-hmm. imagine you go to a restaurant and the restaurant is saying, okay, this is a $50 dinner that you just had. And you go, well, I only have to pay um, $30 because my insurance will cover X, Y, Z. And you go, oh, okay, so now it's a $30 stake, but now they have to go and talk to your insurance company to be reimbursed. That is all. All those people need to get paid, yep. which and, jacks up the price. And then you, you go, well, the insurance is simply saying, essentially, we can negotiate. This is how much this guy is going to pay for a stake, and and that's his insurance. If so, you don't let him pay that much, we're going to take away forty percent of your customers. Well, and there's no reason why the restaurant doesn't go. I'm sorry, that was a two hundred dollars stake. <laughs> but I, that's what's happened. I, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's and then and so, then you still pay thirty dollars. But Joe Blow. Well, the insurance company goes, okay, that was a $200 stake. All right, so then they have – but now they they have to make money, so what do they do? They jack up premiums. So it's this stupid little circle of everybody is, is spending more and more I and more. And I just want to see my doctor. I just want a stake, man. <laughs> I'll pay 50 bucks. If I don't want to pay 50 bucks, I won't. But the, but the other side of that problem is like my shoulder may be worth more to me than a shoulder might be worth to somebody else. How do we make that decision? This is where things get complicated because for In me, a socialized system because there's going to be – at some point, there's scarcity of resources. Well, yeah, but in, in any system, we have an issue, not, not just socialized because why um, – so, so what is the incentive right now for a surgeon? And, and this drives my wife crazy because she's an occupational therapist. 85-year-old person um, not doing well is, is going to go get a hip – replacement surgery mm-hmm. and it, it is likely going to help them a minimal amount for a couple of years and then they're dead that's why you want the free market so they can make that decision on their own ah, but see that's the problem with this this normally almost 99 percent of the time i agree free market stuff but this is where people's stupidness screws up the market but it doesn't not if it's not if it's a true free market no, but no, it does because How? stupid. Because How does an 85-year-old with a bunch of cash going into a doctor saying, I want you to fix my hip, screw up a system? Well, because because of our, in our current system, who gets to make the decision? We do. Nah, kind of. I can still go into my I, – I, I'm going to own you on this. I can still go into my doctor and say, I want a new hip. He checks with my insurance. Insurance says, we're not going to cover that. And I say, that's fine. I'll pay out of pocket. He's still going to do that surgery, but the problem is now the out-of-pocket costs are exponentially higher because of the steak dinner system that you just described. What I'm saying is if you revert back to a total free market system, the price for the hip that I can now negotiate with my doctor is going to be dramatically lower because he doesn't have percentage reimbursement rates coming in from insurance companies and Medicare, which – Medicare basically doesn't pay doctors enough for them to practice their medicine. See, I'm, 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 However, I'm not arguing that. I'm arguing the But others. that's socialized medicine no, no, that I'm, you brought up at the beginning of our discussion said <laughs> no. that's the model that we should use. Now you're saying, yeah, that sucks. We don't no, need no, to no, use no, no, that. No, no, no. I'm, I'm arguing the other side of this. 
the other side of this. Yeah, no, I'm arguing the other side of this. I, I, I don't disagree with everything you said. What I do disagree with now is in our current system. I'm not mm-hmm, talking about mm-hmm. socialized medicine. I'm talking about the problem with our current system sure. is we go, okay, 85-year-old lady, and, and she says, man, I, I want this new hip. And their kids are like, boy, you know, Grandma, I'm not sure, but I love Grandma, so you know what? We're going to go ahead anyways. Mm-hmm. And she can afford to do it right? because of insurance. Because maybe Grandma doesn't have 50K laying around for the surgery, but because of her insurance, sure. it's That Grandma's happen. paying into, right. And this is a huge waste of resource because what, the insurance company... Who, well, well, time out. Who, who makes that determination of what's a waste of resources? I do. <laughs> well, I, don't want, I don't want you making that decision. I don't want anybody making that yeah. decision because now, now you're getting into death panels. Well, but it isn't. But you are. In your system of paying out of pocket. Yes. So the decision is made because she doesn't have 50 grand to drop on a hip. Right. So that's the death panel. The death panel is the market. She can't pay for it. In my scenario, she can't pay for it. She's making that determination. No, no, no. And the ability to negotiate prices down. My mom was a nurse back in the the 60s. So a long time ago, right? Back in California, they had the hospitals. Private is all private. They had the hospital for paying customers. And then they had their like ward for people that couldn't pay. And before the government got involved with Medicare and all that with Johnson, right, they had that ward and the, the indigents got the same treatment as the people that could pay. The hospital could afford to do both in a free market system. The only difference is you had a curtain separating you and the person next to you, but the level of care you received was the same. So I'm, what I'm doing is I'm going back to real-world examples of how this works. You're, ta- you're talking theory in a system that's never worked. I'm not arguing for socialized. I'm just arguing. You were at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, I was, and I'm not, I'm not arguing against socialized either. I just want to make a because case against. Because you've met your nemesis. No, no. I'm, I'm making a You're afraid a case. of losing. That's why. <laughs> yeah. The B12's wearing off. Time to turn <laughs> the other cheek, Luke. Uh, nicotine gum. That's what I mean. <laughs> um, I'm making a case against insurance. It's such a bad idea because the insurance company is compelled to spend the money where it isn't always the best idea. Now, I'm not saying there should be a death panel. Let me refine your argument. You are against obtuse insurance policies that people who buy insurance are not aware of what it is they're purchasing. I'm, I'm against health insurance. The concept of health insurance is dumb. No, it's not. It's You want to be able to have a product that allows you to guard against catastrophic risk. Mm. If I have the big one and it's going to cost me 200 grand to get back on my feet because I got hit by a semi driving out of your church, I want to mitigate against that risk in the same way that I buy home insurance. What you're against and what I'm against are basically health payment plans. Yeah. Where I'm buying into a product that allows me access to a certain range of health care options regardless of – pretty much regardless of need or ability to pay. Right. The, so health insurance, the, the only incentive health insurance companies have is to make money. Yes. It is not in their interest for you to be well. <laughs> That's not – they don't care. They have no incentive to make you better. And then you, you – It's at, also not the incentive of healthcare providers in a, in a big scale right. to make people healthy. Right. It's in their interest to be treating things. Yes. <laughs> Yes, and what what allows that? What is 
uh, the, the insurance company is complicit in this because the insurance company, yes. they have a policy now. And so if Duncan comes in and Duncan has you know problem A and I treat that, the insurance company, because you have insurance, is compelled to pay me to treat Duncan. Well, so now my interest isn't to make Duncan better. It's to continue to treat him. The insurance company is complicit in that. Because but the insurance company doesn't want you to continue to treat I, me. I know, I, but they're complicit in it. It's not that they want to, but that's their. They and the have big to. picture that I was that I was mentioning at the beginning is the big picture is this is not patient centered care. And yeah. The other example I'll give from this is my time working at or on the on the board at Concordia Lutheran Ministries mm-hmm. the Hills facility. Mm-hmm. Yes, was that we learned from the CEO, great guy, right? And and so he would educate us on what it is they do, and so they would have people coming out of the hospital. And these rehab facilities, which they were one, would basically lobby the hospitals for send them our way. So they would send them their way. If So let's say they get patient had grandma with a hip, right? Same story. Grandma with a hip comes in. If, if the insurance company has pressured the hospital to discharge grandma two days before she should to a, to a facility that is not a hospital, it's a rehab facility, yet they're expected to provide stuff that the hospital should have provided – but at the rate of a rehab facility and not a hospital. So already we're burdened by, we're treating grandma for things that we really shouldn't be treating for that we're not paid to, mm-hmm. that our insurance isn't paying us to. If grandma goes back to the hospital because, hey, grandma has a staph infection, right? The hospital dings the care facility for you made us readmit because that makes the hospital look bad because they discharged and now there's a readmit. Yep. So... Even if, let's say, grandma goes into the rehab facility and breaks her arm, completely unrelated, if grandma goes back to the hospital, they still get dinged. Right. So now, who? there's so many competing interests, and the one interest that's not even in the game is, hi, I'm the grandma that wants my hip to work. It's not patient-centered care. Right. And this goes on all over the place. The, the rehab facility gets dinged for if they readmit regardless of the cause, from insurance as well, because now you're putting them into a higher cost bracket. Right. What, and, and again, even if it's a completely unrelated thing. So, again, re- regardless of someone's opinion on private-only insurance model government, we can all argue pros and cons of those three, but we need to have the agreed-upon goal of patient-centered care. Right. And what I, what I, my position is, it can't happen in an insurance model. Mm-mm. It cannot happen because insurance, they're beholden to stockholders, investors, right. and basically themselves. So we everybody can agree that healthcare situation in the U.S. sucks out loud. And then you, I mean, it does. Not compared to the rest of the world, but even in our system, there's big time room for improvement. Well, compared to the rest of the world, it's a whole different Right, right. Ball game. I mean, what part of the rest of the world? You look at some places have awesome health care. France has awesome health care. It's awesome. And it's single payer. Basically socialized. Not 100% socialized, but basically socialized. So you made me special coffee. You have a thermos of coffee here. It's the same coffee. You didn't offer it to me, though. I put it in front of you. <laughs> it, was, it was here before I got here. No, anyway. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, we're sort of saying the same thing. 
So in, in, a, in a single payer thing, your decisions are made by a bureaucrat behind a desk, and then you get death panels. Okay, so that that removes decision making from you and puts it squarely on uh, government. It's an oversimplification, though, because it doesn't. But it's not wrong. A single payer does not mean that there are death panels or people make decisions for you. Yes, of course they do. It does. We're going to pay for this. We're not going to pay for it. Your wait time is this long. No. We're going to treat you this way no. for this thing. Absolutely. No. Single, <laughs> How is it? No. Yes. Single payer is uh. not that you. It does not mean that you centralize decision making. How do you not? Why why would my doctor have to have to do one thing or another thing in a single payer? What a single payer means is this is the So the government's gonna reimburse your doctor for any and all expenses that he racks up. Yes. Without where? <laughs> that that will never happen. Well, it does happen in France. And it no, works like this. No, it oh, yes, go it does. Ahead. and it works like this. There's no death panel. My doctor. However, no, there's no. a life panel. No, my doctor will tell me, hey, I don't, or let's, let's go back to grandma. Grandma's doctor says, hey, this decision, we can do a new hip, but it's going to be painful. She's not going to recover. It's going to last two years. I wouldn't put her through that if I were you. Don't do it. And, and I say, do I don't it. care. Do it. And so he does it. And now we're no different than the insurance model. But a reasonable person, like, so all of us who are so the, the single pair, the single pair system is based on it's not perfect. the ability of people to make smart decisions. I uh, know to to find good doctors, to train good doctors, to help people make good decisions that will make them aware of all of their options yes. and give them informed consent and all that kind of stuff. Why not? Because you can't. What about your <laughs> your hormone therapy that you're on? <laughs> That's right. Right. So because you asked for it, they have to give it to you. No. Uh-uh. Why wouldn't they? So you can't get everything you want. Oh, I thought you meant now. Uh, in, in the single payer? Yeah. Yes. I think so. Cost prohibitive. And and my doctor can tell me, listen, it, so so for instance, if, you know, at some point with, with any kind of treatment. So I want anti-gravity treatment for my <laughs> vertigo. I want to go up into outer space and I want to <laughs> float around on the space station because I got some crackpot doctor to say, this will help you with your vertigo. Mm-hmm. Two hundred grand to send me up there. You're paying for it. This is where. Where so do you draw the line? Single payer does draw lines on. So someone else is making decisions. No, no, not on if you get it, on if it's a thing. Because oh. currently, flying into outer space to the space station to help with your vertigo isn't actually a thing. So what if they decide that you know hip surgeries for eighty-five year olds aren't a thing anymore? We've done the research no, no, and no, no, we no. measured quality of life and blah da da. And we said that's not a thing. No, we're we're so again. I I never said it's perfect, but I, what I'm saying is it's better. It's better I don't think any any system that removes decision making from the individual who needs the medical care is a better system. Well, every system removes some decision making because not you mine. you currently don't have the option to fly into outer space. Sure, I do for money. No, you actually don't. There's nobody I who do. flies you into outer space. I could pay someone. Who? Branson. You take me up there. <laughs> It's not even a thing. So you're talking about things that aren't a thing. You know what I'm talking about. Experimental stuff, cutting edge stuff. Sure. Stuff that doctors say don't work. But I read an article on Facebook and I'm convinced it's going to work for me. Sure. And that stuff we ought to be careful with. And I'm saying if you can pay for it, go for it. There should be nothing for your own treatment. Sure. You can already do that. Not in a single payer system. 
in a single payer system, you Once can. again, we get back to the black market that I was talking no, about. Single, so you're agreeing with me. This doesn't that change actually, anything. Yes, it does. Okay, so let's 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 talk about um, PRP. PRP is um, well, that's not a great one because you can actually do that in the states now. Um, there are there are some things, um, joint stuff like NBA basketball players will go over to Europe to get done. Mm-hmm. So currently in our system, you can't do that here. Right. I don't like that. And it, okay, but you can fly over there and, and do pay it. someone to do it. Right. That's your model. Yeah. So. What is the difference if... Because in a socialized system, I'm paying into a system that's supposed to provide me with all my hopes and dreams for medical care, unless it doesn't, and then i got to pay someone else to do it, which, again, is my model. No, you, you, you do have people who, who draw sensible boundaries and say, yeah, we're not going to Sensible according to... Again, that's... I'm to not, somebody else yes. who's not receiving the care. Yes. Not the ideal system. It's not ideal. It's not the best... But you said it was the best. It's That's why we should go to single payer because all your hopes and dreams, <laughs> unicorns, <laughs> heroin, all I this all stuff. <laughs> um, no, it, it is. There's not never going to be a perfect way to do healthcare. There just isn't. And I don't think that removing decisions from the people that want the care is is a better system. All you're doing is you're building a big area in which you make all of the decisions inside of this. But yeah, we're not going to pay for this weird thing that has no proven medical benefit. Of course. We currently don't do that. And in your model, you've got the potential danger for weird shit going on. We're like, yeah, I read an article online that says if if you inject radioactive uranium into your bloodstreams... You're going to pay for it. Yeah, and then you kill people around you because you're radioactive. (laughs) (laughs) That's the problem. We can't go cowboy wild west and say. So your your, argu- is your good. argument against my system is not based on any real world examples, but is theoretical. Kind of weakens your argument against it, doesn't it? You can't point to no, real world stuff. Sure I don't does. think it's theoretical. There's there's a lot of weird hokey stuff that goes on in the medical world. Just go online and search it. The weird stuff that you can get, and the and uh-huh. complete unregulation of it. Yeah, is terrifying. People get hurt. Badly. Yes, and there's a lot of false hope that's given and stuff like that, 100%. So that's the downside of, of that model is, because people right now, a lot of people love to, to go down and get dentistry work in Mexico. And Nueva Progreso, it's right? Super, it's fantastic. It, it's super affordable, and it's awesome, unless you get the guy who <laughs> set up poison. a shot the week before, put some things on the wall, and was like, yeah, I'll, I'll smash your face. And you've you got no recourse. There's there's no now, now you've got a jacked up face, mm-hmm. and you spent money on it. That's the downside of your system. True. In my system, there's regulations that says yeah, you can't just smash up a guy's face. It's your regulation that says somebody else gets to make your decisions for you, and what we're gonna what what we are going to allow the treatment to be. We're gonna and you trust you. and you trust that those regulations are reasonable. Well, there has to be regulations of some sort in every field. True, but you're saying that that the decisions are going to be reasonable that are made by somebody else for you, and I'm saying I know that there I don't it. see that ever working. Well, I don't see the Wild West of no regulations ever working. You didn't say no regulation. Well, so then you're not really truly saying. Open I'm just free saying market. someone. Else, sure, I am. No, be, regulations are the antithesis of free market. <laughs> Again. <laughs> So this is this a is free market doesn't have regulations. This is this is free. the system. This is the system, <laughs> right? 
that so in so in the United States you have doctors that have licenses to practice medicine, and how this works you you get rid of malpractice by doing this. You say that doctors do their thing, and if they screw up, they lose points against their license to the point where eventually their license is you can't practice medicine. At that point, who gets to decide if they've screwed up? A death panel. Who gets to decide if they made the mistake or the person was just professional professional peer review board. Oh. But so they're deciding if that doctor is a good doctor or a bad doctor, based on the results. So yeah. You're, oh, so you're taking away any ability for a person to decide that I like this doctor and I guess he screwed up those people, but he won't screw up me. You want to listen to how this works out? <laughs> you're just you're saying the same. You, your model no, but, has the same but, flaws. But I'm not, no, I'm not. I'm not putting restrictions on the patient. I'm putting restrictions on the doctor. But to it is not a practice bad medicine on the doctors, not on the patients. But why shouldn't I be able to pay somebody? to do whatever I want to to my face. So you, you can. Take his, you take his you license can. If away. If you can find them, if you can find them, they'll do it. But if you take his license away, he can't do it. You can't find anyone to do it. <laughs> but I haven't removed decisions from the... This is how it plays it's like out. you can do all the coke you want to do, but you can't have any coke to do. But you but can do no all one, of it. But there's no one who will sell you coke. <laughs> so it's legal. But it's illegal. It's like saying it's illegal to sell, but it is legal to have. So here's how the system works. <laughs> here's how the system works. Well, that's kind of. I mean, war on drugs. That's what we tried. Was it's terrible. We're not going to go after the users. We're going to go after the drug pushers. We're going to go after the sellers. That's not even true. That was the, the basis for the war on drugs, and it didn't that work was the because lie. you take right. <laughs> anyway, so as this system works, you'll like this. So Nick Riviera, right? He goes, in, doctor from The Simpsons, <laughs> right? Okay, so. He goes in and he sucks at being a doctor. Like mangled faces, whatever, B12 in every orifice of your body. <laughs> just a terrible guy. Eventually he loses he loses his points and he's on restricted status. How Nick Riviera can boost his get his basically his license taken care of is he goes to work at a clinic for indigents. Where he and this is where a little bit of socialized medicine comes in, right? So he can't make big boy doctor money pulling in five, six hundred Gs a year. He has to go to a indigent hospital where, again, I'm going to do I'm going to do government involvement here. He's paid a stipend by the government to work in one of these clinics where he makes sixty thousand dollars a year, enough that you can eat, you can survive, but you're not you're going to be selling the Bentley, right? As he works in that clinic, and he has a good record there, he gets back into green light status where he can go back to private practice. And make his big bucks. And so who goes to the indigent practice? Anyone who wants to. People who can't afford the good stuff. But the doctors there have an <laughs> but the doctors there have an incentive to do a good job. And if you strike out there, but then just you're can't just do done. a good job because they suck. But then eventually they They're get weeded out. Good. They get weeded out. But they have an incentive to do a good job but for the people that can't. But the doctors pay. who are there are the ones who aren't good enough. At some point in time. <laughs> so always. No. Well, they get better and then they leave. But so they the were only ones right. there. So while they're there good. getting better, they're actually <laughs> listen to what you just said. They're actually providing better no, care. Dude. Listen, if when they were in the private world and they had a down arrow because they weren't doing a good job, the only way to get back to that is to provide up arrow better care in the indigent. So the indigents would actually be receiving better care than the people who are in the in the private world. I don't agree with that, because number one... And you open that up to all medical professionals that want a license to practice whatever their trade is. OT, PT, yeah. nurse, nurse practitioner, physician, all that goes 
and you have that system. What if? But I, you're going to find guys who just doctors who just aren't that good, and, and eventually they there. and eventually they the administrators of the engine hot. We don't want you. And for for the five or ten years that they're there, they're providing the same care mediocre. they paid for the paying people. So the, that's the, how you weed it but out. But the paying people. Well, how do you weed out bad doctors today? <laughs> we don't. <laughs> well, at least this I system don't. allows for like, if you go to the free one, there's a chance <laughs> that you might get finger. radioactive dye. <laughs> But there's also a chance that your doctor who's there is working twice as hard as he did when you were paying top dollar for him. Is that, that landed him in this position. That, that, the, and I don't, I don't necessarily disagree, but I'm, I'm not agreeing. That sets up a system where if you don't have resource, you get less good care. I'm arguing you would potentially get better care. Yeah, you're nuts. That's crazy. Because no, the because only- the doctor who's there has already done a bad job over here. For the paying customers. That's why he's over here in the poor. What about the guy who's just not good enough? And it, what happens to him now? He, I know. He, I'm saying the system now is broken, but I'm saying that system is also broken. But in that but system. But it's better. No, in that it system, the people who pay the price, the, the, who get subpar care, are all people who with less resource. So you're just saying poor people get mediocre care. No. People with resources get better care. The no. private market will be better than the government market. You cannot tell me that you, th- you I'm going, of all I'm people, going to I am going to say this again slowly, and I'll try to use even smaller words this time. All people cannot tell me you believe that a government-run Medicare system is going to be better than the private sector. I can. What I you're what, never that guy. No, but what I'm doing is saying I'm applying free market principles. That if I do a good job over here, providing care for the people that either can't or choose not to pay, then I get the green light to practice medicine over here where I do get rewarded financially for doing so. And I think that incentive will encourage doctors and other medical professionals to provide the same level or better care over here than they were providing for the paying customers that landed because they didn't do a good job that landed them over in the, in the, in the poverty center, if you will. <laughs> no way. <laughs> I'm getting no paid way. half a million dollars to do my job as a doctor over here. And let's say I botch a couple of surgeries and I, I get sent to timeout. I got to boost my score by five points, right? While I'm there, I have an incentive to provide excellent care to get those five points back as soon as possible so I can go back to making 500K a year or more. But if you just can't get those five points back because you don't have because I suck at it because I'm acuity. blind right and I'm right, okay <laughs> you're just not as you're not as bright as as the rest sure then eventually this hospital here is going to say we don't want you but, but he's good enough he's just mediocre no because he's hurting our patients <laughs> so you, now you're <laughs> so now that guy in in your mind is not allowed to practice medicine I'm saying there's no market for him even at a restricted salary so you're saying you're saying he's totally allowed to do it we just won't let him. Right? <laughs> Eventually, no. <laughs> no, he's totally yeah. I, I, so what you're saying is so you're, you're harping on the you're harping on the fringes of the system of the argument of the system. Oh, so are you? Instead of going at the meat of it. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm saying your people are making other decisions for the people they shouldn't be making. No, I'm saying that there are. You're going to get so many views for this. <laughs> no, <I'm not>. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is, instead of making you know 1.5 million decisions, mm-hmm. you get to make one million decisions. And that is still pretty open and free. No, it's not. What you're because saying. Because I have control. I, I could tomorrow wake up and decide now you can make 13 decisions. What, but what you're saying is 
in 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 Duncan's you're not, model, you're not you're not you're not disputing that. No, in, the governments have a tendency towards oh, yeah. authoritarianism. Yes, and, that's why okay. I can't believe that you're for this indigent thing because that authoritarian and corruption is going to get into that system too because it's government run. Sure, but there's an entire free market system over here. Mm-hmm. And who that ha- that is regulated? Right. And you by love the, that by the no by by peer peer peers government peers peers. No. Absolutely. <laughs> Don't buy it. You have nothing. And besides, well, you could you could apply that same methodology to a single payer system. So the single single payer system sure. is simply who the, now your so your death panel is this peer reviewed death panel of no, not but, government. But it's not peer it's not death panel for the patients, it's death panel for the doctors. You're gonna lose your income. We're gonna kick you down to the restricted so that's not a free market at all because now you've regulated people who work in an industry. That's unionization. That's No, it's the opposite of unionization. Unionization would be all doctors, regardless of performance, get paid the same thing over here. That's not unionization. That's what unions do. <laughs> that's what they, what they do, but that's not unionization. <laughs> so it's – wait, 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 wait. That is what unions do. Thank you. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't disagree, but that's not what a union is. A union is these people band together – and then they collectively bargain. And I'm saying you look at individual professionals in the healthcare industry based on individual performance. By a peer-reviewed group? Yes. Okay. So that peer-reviewed group is deciding what is quality care and what isn't quality care. Yes. So all you're doing is saying this is not government regulation making the decision. It's a private sector making I haven't the thought decisions. that far ahead. There's some sort of process to say you're not you need to you need to do better, basically. Well, and and you can simply take that You're intrigued you, by this though. No, not you absolutely you're thing still talking about it and you still haven't told me why it's bad. Well, I think because I think it's a tax on a health tax on the poor. Who's a health tax on a, on the poor? They're not paying anything. Right, How but, is that a tax? Right. So now we, we get down to should everybody have an equal level of care? Should yes. Will that ever be practical? Is it possible? Ever be, a different question. No, it's not. And that's that's where we're gonna because you agree. get into and you get into you do not have a right to my labor. Right. Right. And I, I believe that what we ought to do is – so in a single-payer system, you still allow – oh, hang on. There's still a private sector market. It's called the black market. No, no. It, <laughs> sure it no, is. In a single-payer system, you say this is ev- – Then it's not single-payer. No, it's, it's – Single-payer is there's one payer. You're saying there's one group over here oh, so that the government pays for. Is. <laughs> well, I understand the word – single means one, right? Right. So if you fall under the – if we can make your treatment fall under this umbrella, it's paid for by the taxpayers. If it doesn't fall under that umbrella, it is paid for by you. How many payers are there in the, in the entire healthcare system? Right not now? Not one. No, in your oh, single in payer, my, not one. No, single, Therefore, not single. No, no, no. So you have a, you have a dual, dual payer system where you try <laughs> – where you work your butt off to get your doctor to say that what he's going to do to you fits under the umbrella of things the government agrees to pay for. No, no, that's that's just not single payer. You just don't know. You've, it is ne- exa- you've never read an article that talks oh about single payer. <laughs> single payer means. <laughs> say it again, and then I'll say what I said again, and people will make up their mind whether or not there is one entity that pays for all the health cares. 
Yes, single payer is a thing. It's it's not. I didn't make that word up. I didn't. Okay. I'm not inventing single payer system. Single payer system is what they have in Canada. I'm gonna France, I'm gonna say this. I think you picked up some sort of microbes in Africa that are slowly <laughs> eating your brain. We actually go there, ahead. there is a, a parasite that will do that in Africa. So it's not entirely impossible. <laughs> I'm not ruling it out. So which in my system you could get careful. <laughs> I'm poor. So, <laughs> so, um, so what the, the model that France has, and there's, there's, that's a good model. Canada's model isn't nearly as good because Canada is weird. But there is a single payer that covers this like big most section of the, most of of the, the things, things. Most of the things. For yeah, yeah. everyone. Yes. A single payer that for everybody has this access. For certain things. Yes, for, for, for this big list of things. But if my healthcare thing is outside of the covered things, then who pays for it if I want to get no, it treated? All all health issues that are are in, in this are all covered, but you're you're weird so like if I if I got a bum knee and they say, Okay, here is the this the practice uh, or the, the conventional wisdom for that. The, the agreed knee, upon things. The knee replacement. You're gonna end up more, anyway. So you get a knee replacement, but you go. I read an article somewhere where if I take the blood of a young man and <laughs> <laughs> that's a thing. But you're going to the it's stem cells, yeah. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, sort of. No, there's blood transfusions that they're trying in some places from young people to do a full transfusion to an old guy. Yuck! Because it works. It Just, works in mice. It, there's anti-aging <laughs> properties. So there's people who are doing this. You can go do that. We're just not covering that. So then who pays for that? You do out of your own so pocket. So it's not a single payer. It's a – if you're – I'm going to say it again. I'll, I'll, I'll even do it. You're, you're jet lagged. <laughs> the government decides the things that are paid for and anything that's one of those things pays for. If it's not one of those things but it's a thing over here, then you have to pay for it. That's, that's not – single payer. Single payer. That's, that's government until it doesn't want to. And then it's me. No, all you're saying is... And you're trusting that the government will always only, always have all the legitimate medical care under that umbrella. And I'm saying no. That eventually my 97-year-old dad isn't going to have whatever covered because he's really super old and there's this young person that needs a new kidney. That's just not single payer. Single payer doesn't restrict you from making other decisions. You're, you're confusing single-payer socialized medicine with socialism. Those are two different no, things. We, we have a different single-payer. So there is one payer for all medical expenses in the country, true or false. You have to say false, that it's single-payer for these things. There's another payer for the things over here that we don't cover. Now we're just, now we're just arguing the semantics of the term. I'm saying that the term single-payer <laughs> is that thing. Just it doesn't it doesn't mean that it's against the law for you to drive over here, <laughs> right? <laughs> so if I decide, so let's say that that, and um, I'm saying single payer is a bad system because you're trusting that the government is always going to make patient centered decisions for all the people that are underneath them. Well, that's and I'm always saying going to be the case, but I don't trust that. I don't trust that they're going to make patient-centered decisions. They're going to make decisions based on how much money do we have available, scarcity of resources, and all those things. But any system of healthcare is going Not to end mine. up there. Yes, it does, no, because it they're just regulating the doctors instead of everything else. 
So no. they're going to decide that this no. doctor who's got a cutting edge something or other, they're like, yeah, but we're not going to, we're saying you can't do that. We'll let the viewers decide. <laughs> so in, in, a, in a single pair, like let's say in Duncan's system, right. that I go and say, okay, I've got ulcers. Okay? And right. I'm going to find somebody to treat my ulcers. True. And I go and find a guy whose treatment method is to drink gasoline. And so then I drink gasoline. He loses his license right. to practice medicine. But I have now drank gasoline. <laughs> so that's a problem. Right? That's why people wouldn't do that. <laughs> but the decision, what I'm saying, I mean, you're, you're pointing out the extreme dumb cases. I'm saying in a general way, you want to leave decisions in the hands of the people that are receiving care, the patients. You want them at, you want to give them access to people practicing medicine. Yeah, and the single payer does that. I no, it doesn't. It, yes, you it just does. said it, if it fits under the umbrella yes. of what the government says it's going to pay yes. for. So, and I'm saying I don't trust the government to to make patient centered care decisions. Well, in 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 the model that you already described, you have peer reviewed panel that says drinking gasoline is not the way to treat an ulcer. And I think we all nod our heads and go, yeah, okay. The person that came in to see you ended up worse off than they did before. That Whatever this criteria right. is, there's a way of saying you can't, you can't do this. But in a single payer, yep. they say you, we are not going to cover mm-hmm. the $2.65 a gallon for you to drink <laughs> gasoline. But you are still legally allowed to go and buy gasoline and drink it. That's fine. But they're not going to pay But the problem with that is... What happens when – because, again, the only reason why they wouldn't do that is scarcity of resources, right? And this is not – we don't recognize that this is a valid treatment. The problem is if if they would only make decisions based on this this treatment has been shown to work, you would have a case. You would absolutely have a case. What I'm saying is show me a government where that's going to stay true. In England, it now with socialized medicine, it has to do with, yeah – yeah, we know that would work, but you're really old and we only have so much money, so we're not going to do that for you. You get the pain meds. You don't get the new liver. Right. Right. So that's the problem with socialized medicine it is in theory or single payer. You don't like socialized medicine. It is socialized medicine. It is. You know, I'm OK with socialized medicine, but you're confusing that with socialism. No, I'm Those not. Those are two different things. Nope, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely no, I'm, not. I'm absolutely fine calling not. it socialized medicine. The problem with socialized medicine is – you assume that decisions will always be based on the patient's best interest, proven medicine and all that, and not scarcity of resources. And I'm saying it, it will eventually, probably sooner than later, turn into scarcity of resources. Well, I, I think with uh, single-payer, you, you, you can't implement single-payer without fixing, um, well, number one, getting rid of all health insurance companies. So this, this is why it's all theoretical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why are we spending so much time on this? We have know. to talk about your mission trip. <laughs> True story. Yeah, so it's all theoretical because at the end of the day, the health insurance and the drug lobbyists will never allow us to fix health care. And I, and I hope people get that in their heads because I come back to this. The, we have two countries. <laughs> there is one country that their job in the United States is to convince the rest of the country that they're doing their darndest for our benefit, mm-hmm. and they're not. <laughs> so right. every time you vote for anybody... Red team, blue team, makes no difference. Nope. Yep, yep. It's that, that is what drives me crazy, is that 
We're still know. entrenched in red team, blue team. Yeah. Well, not just that. It's the – I say I don't even put it red team, blue team. I, I put it um, upper America and the rest of us. Upper America – well, don't do the ninety nine percent thing. No, I'm not. I'm not. not okay. No, no. Okay. Good. I'm saying that yeah, yeah. that whole band of humans mm-hmm. does not care about this other band of humans, but they their job is to convince us they do, and so what they do is Team A says we love you this way, Team B says we love you that way. But if there's a Team C that shows up, they're going to try and tell you that they love you this other way, and then if Team D or it doesn't matter, like that's our mm-hmm. problem right, 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 is right. we are not truly a representative government anymore i know that in 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 structure and theory we are but we they don't no, really represent you but we are no we're still a representative this the structure hasn't changed the Agreed. problem is that enough people have been convinced that red team loves me more blue team loves me more so i just need to keep if we keep voting for the red team then things will get better if we keep voting for the blue team things will get better that's still a good representative system the problem is we bought into the lie that Red team and blue team are the right teams to be cheering for. It's part of it. But I, what I'm saying is, is even one step further. Yeah, that yeah. My job is to come to you and say, listen, I'm going to represent you and, and convince you that I'm really going to go and I'm going to go to Washington and represent you. And then I go to Washington and I'm like, screw that guy. That's right. what they're all doing. <laughs> Every one of them. None of them actually represent you. None of them. And I, I am convinced it's because oh, sure. the, the way in which we elect people is flawed. I don't think the system is flawed. I think it would be great for a person. So how do you – see, I, I'm for we're just dumb. Yeah. I mean, we grew up our whole lives with red team, blue team, and the red team's going to give me this, and the blue team's going to give me that. And my guy, I rah, rah, rah. You know, as soon as I get elected, what is, what is my top priority once I'm elected? Well, right. So, so think to about get reelected. <laughs> that's, yeah, to that's get elected, it. get reelected. That's the only thing that matters. Yeah. And all I have to do is convince some of you that I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying. And man, we're really I'm yeah. close. I'm almost there. Well, they're not doing anything for us. No, no, of course not. No, except, except pandering. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they're pandering, and they're going to the local diner yeah. a month before election. And man, we're man of the right. we're in cowboy right. boots, and yeah, uh huh. So my solution to this, I, you won't like at all. <laughs> you want to – yeah, you already told me, but go ahead. Socialize. That's yeah. not really the right word. I just yeah. like the way you flinch every time I say it. <laughs> Make a system wherein you will not be rich if you decide to run for office. You can't be, won't be, ever be. Who oversees this? Who oversees that system? Well, the problem is the government People chosen say, by the elected – People that aren't going to get right, right, and that's so. the problem is that the people there have to say this is the new law, and they're they have no interest in doing that. <laughs> we had a guy at my last church, and a lot smarter than I was. So when I disagreed with him, I'm like, it's one of those where you're like, maybe you're probably right because when we disagree, you're smarter and other things. You're probably right here. He was he would never vote for an incumbent. He didn't care what team they were playing for, what their policy. He didn't uh, care. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to vote for the challenger. Every it was his consistent and in theory that sounds good on the other hand there's certain issues that you can't like for me do i do i think the republicans are a pro-life party absolutely not of course you're not you're around the edges around the fringes token gestures you've been in control of everything why do we still fund planned parenthood why is abortion still all that you're not a pro-life party 
Their job is to convince you they are. On, right. <laughs> and on the other hand, can you vote for a party that has in its platform basically free abortion for everybody? And you get into like, I don't know that I can actively support that in good conscience. On the other hand, so that's kind of where for where I for him is like, I get your theory and I, I love your theory. Vote the bums out every time. Clean house. Every new Congress is a completely new Congress. The senators know after your six years, you're you're donezo. Mm-hmm. The president knows I am not going to win reelection. <clears throat> that there's no incentive for that number one thing that you talked about getting reelected. Right. Yeah, you can make some connections while you're there. That's fine. I mean, whatever. But you're out. Yeah. And what would happen if that was, you know, if we could wave a wand to make that happen is they would vote to have longer terms. They would vote to they, they would just find a new way to screw us because that's what they do. Seriously, in in my system, it would require. Um, but you, there's no way to enforce it. Well, the, they could make a law to enforce it. Oh, they have to police themselves. And guess what? Okay, so <laughs> no, that's why I freely admit there's no way it would ever happen. No, because you brought this up before, and it, it's an intriguing idea. Mm-hmm. It's an intriguing idea that that when you get out of here, your net worth can never be more than X. Yeah. And then you weed out all of the people who are, are using it to advance themselves personally. You just you just say serving in the government means you will never you're, – you're a civil servant for life and you will never advance in the private sector. You are signing away the rest of your life in – but we will compensate you for the rest of your life well, but you're never going to, to excel in things because as soon as, as that's an option, corruption comes in. And speaking of corruption, that's the biggest problem with Kenya. Mission trips. <laughs> <laughs> corruption and that sort of stuff is is the name of the game in Kenya. It's crazy. I mean, it from the the police to the politicians. How much does the corruption cost? Like, so I go over there. What, what does it cost me as as a visitor to Kenya to to Bypass the corruption. How much do I have to fork over? An American? Nothing. Okay. (laughs) So that's the upside. Is (laughs) is that pasty white skin of yours is is a fast forward button um, for the entire country. But, for example, while we were there, uh, a guy got pulled over and um, the the cop was very openly extorting him for money. Uh, We went past every day uh, in my uh, previous trip – we go past a, a police checkpoint, and I was asking, you know, so, so what is this? And they just kind of shake their head and go, it's just corruption. What they do is um, any commercial vehicle that comes through has to stop and give them a few hundred shillings, so five, ten bucks, which is a fair amount of money there, in, in a lot, but especially if you sit all day and just collect it. So they sit just outside of the, the town limits and stop people, and they give them cash. Because if they don't, then they will say something like, oh, you've got a blinker out. Or, oh, this is a – they find something wrong, write down your tag number, and then it's – you know, you've got this whole rigmarole. You know, you can go and try and prove that your your vehicle is fine, that these guys were lying, but it's just faster, it's easier, It doesn't cheaper. sound all that different from – Well, but it's, it's it happens here for sure, but there it's organized, and there it is mm-hmm. it, every day. For seven days, <laughs> it's not like it was a cop this one time pulled this one guy over. Right, right. And that's how they, they basically just fund the police department. <laughs> I mean, that's just it. Like these, yeah. these guys just – and it's, it's insane. But um, 
it, it's not just it's not just localized. It's it's a nationalized, and even with like the UN. So we go and, and we work at uh, one of the biggest refugee camps in the world in um, Kakama, Kelly Bay, in northwest uh, Kenya. It is freaking nowhere. And, I mean, it's like it is basically Death Valley. And the U.N. came in, and the Kenya government, you know, obviously is involved too, and they just, they just drew a big line in the sand, a big square, and said this is now a refugee camp. And so why do they do that? Well, hundreds and thousands of people are employed from Kenya by the UN to run that camp. All of that money is is pouring in to that camp from the UN. Most of that from the US is supporting them. The people once a month get rations that you know equals something close to 800 calories a day. Uh, it's, it's not enough food. Uh, once a day, they, they flip a switch where water turns on. So once a day, they get to, to carry water from this well in jerry cans back to their home. And that's, that's all that they get. And the, the Kenyan government profits just off of that. And then in that area around the camp, um, it's really it's, it's a fun thing to watch because a, a whole... It sounds like a blast. Well, it is. <laughs> It's not fun, fun, but it's fun <laughs> because what happens is, is a whole economy um, just kind of mm-hmm. springs up. So this this town that's in the middle of nowhere, it's in Turkana. Okay, it's <laughs> you know Turkana. <laughs> well, I, I say that because the people who live there are Turkanans. So the people of the of the Turkana tribe have nothing, <laughs> and I mean nothing. But they're they're the people who have just always had nothing. They're just living the way they always lived. They're, they're the people for the last, you know, 3,000 years have been wandering around in the desert with goats and animal skins, um, scraping on a, on a tough life. And that's, they just never changed that. And now in the middle of their land plops this camp where the UN gives out uh, free education, free food, just once a month, they just hand people food and this, this water, so the Turkana people are like, Ooh, hey, opportunity. What, what about us? Like, you can't just plop in the middle of this place where none of us have food and none of us have, we have to dig holes in the ground to get muddy, crappy water and die from cholera. And you're giving these people just, a, you're giving them water and food. Now, inside the camp, you're like, yeah, but <laughs> we're in a not camp. a lot of food and not a lot of water. And it really sucks. So, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's this, so there's this tension. But the Turkana people are able then to do a lot of um, buying and selling with the everything that springs up around the camp because UN people fly in, people like us who do mission work there fly in, and now we need a place to stay. Well, the Turkanas would love to help you with that. They build a nice little guest house for you, and we're going to need lunch. We're going to need dinner. We're going to need breakfast. And give you a lot of money in local currency to do it. Yeah, see? So now, now an economy, it's so... Every time we take people there, I'm like, it's so complicated because, you know, this place that we go to would never have seen an American ever, you know, except for an occasional missionary, if it weren't for these refugees. But the refugees are getting benefits from the UN. Just, you know, we would call them handouts, and the Turkana people aren't. But because they are, the Turkana people in some ways do benefit. So who's better off? Who's gaining? Everybody gains some. Nobody gains enough. So who are the refugees? What are they? 
fleeing from? So we have um, we work with several different people groups. That, that's another really interesting part of the refugee camp. Is as you walk around, um, there'll be a little community of Sudanese, and over here a community of South Sudanese, and over here uh, people from Burundi or Congolese um, people, and, and it's. It is really an interesting dynamic because um, most of them don't share the same language. Mm-hmm. So they're living amongst each other, um, you know, and, and these, these communities interact with each other. And we might walk over to this house, you know, and, and they're speaking Arabic because they're from South Sudan. And we walk over to this house and it's English and French because they're from Burundi. And, and they, it's just weird that they, they can't even hardly talk to each other. But you have to live in this box. Yes, and so you get people like um, big enough for gangs or things like that, or is it? Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, yeah. there's there's something. Um, there's over two hundred thousand people who live there, mm-hmm. and that's small. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's a it's a whole pile of humanity. Um, so, like for instance, the Ethiopians, the Ethiopians, mm-hmm. um, the Anuak tribe from Gambela area in Ethiopia, they were just good again simple clean living you know they wake up in the morning and they've, they've got a small piece of land with crops uh and, and i mean like an acre acre and a half you know they got a little bit of corn a little bit of this they got some goats maybe a cow productive that's their life yeah and it's it's like pioneer days in the u.s it's it, that's it that's that's what they got and they happen to be living on this chunk of land number one they got like three growing seasons so it's also really cool because, you know, pioneers in America had to grow enough in the summer and harvest mm-hmm, in the fall mm-hmm. to not freeze to death in the winter and start over. Where there, it's, it's a little bit more ongoing. It's warm all the time. Yeah, it's beautiful. Now, again, they, they die from cholera and malaria and stuff. So you got that going for you, <laughs> which is not the good thing. But um, the, a different tribe comes into power. In, in the government, mm-hmm. and these people happen to be living on land that is full of oil, full of gold, and full of other awesome things. Who knew? Yeah. They did. And they're certainly, all they're doing is growing corn. So the government comes in and um, starts a genocide. So these, these two tribes don't like each other, but now this tribe has an army because they won an election. So this tribe's army rolls in and just starts shooting people in the street. Um. And, and like real genocide, where it is, how do we know who we're going to kill? They're the ones not wearing the uniform. Kill them all. All of them. <laughs> so they they flee from that area, and they were at a, actually a different refugee camp, but it was close to Somalia. The Somalians hate Ethiopians, and so they were coming in, raping, killing, and, and doing awful things. So they moved them to this other refugee camp. So that's that's how they ended up there. Um, Sudanese, um, similar thing. There was a, a civil war, Sudan, South Sudan. They finally got that under control and just kind of said, okay, now there's Sudan, South Sudan. And then as soon as that happened, total genocide happened in South Sudan. So a bunch of people from South Sudan fled down to this refugee camp. And again, a lot of it is they, they're simply running on foot from their home, running, 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 running. Um, the news gets out, the UN sends in, uh, planes, helicopters, and trucks, and vehicles, and just start scooping up people who are, are running away from people with guns and take them over into this refugee camp. So it's that, that's how they ended up there. And the hope was always that at some point that they solve the unrest so they can go home. So this camp opened in the 80s. <laughs> so 
<laughs> Turns out that doesn't seem like it's going to happen. And there's not... Now we get it back into what is the incentive to fix this and how do we fix this? Because now you... Do we... And what does it mean to fix it? That world right. peace... I mean, you do, then you're, you're doing the whole world peace thing. <laughs> right? right. We, we go in to Gambella and say to these people... All right, now you all have to get out and move out of this area, and they go. Well, we've been here for twenty-five years, right? <laughs> okay, and please, are we screwing with the Ethiopia? How how much will that screw with the whole economy of Ethiopia if the U.S. just comes in and and says, "Now you don't own this." It's now the Anuak are coming back in, and how do you even get the people back to their? Resettle them and say, "Now this, you know, you used to live here. Now there's an oil it's well not here. Their, it's not their land anymore. I mean, they were born and grew up in this box. Yeah, and now they're moving back to this. Is I mean that? Yeah, that doesn't. It is, so if you have a that kid, doesn't work. If you have a kid in the refugee camp, Kenya issues a birth certificate, but then they you're not a Kenyan citizen. They on that birth certificate say where you are from." And, I, and things get squirrely. <laughs> so now you've got like the third generation. Where are you from? Ethiopia. Okay, where were you born? Here. <laughs> so now your kid, where's your kid from? Ethiopia, I guess. It's, you know, that's weird. I don't, but that's, that's the, that is the actual reality is there's now like you're on the third generation. People who have never been outside of the, the refugee camp are residents of a country they've never seen. So I am living in this refugee camp. Walk me through my day. What do I do? Wake up. Try not to die. Why would I die? Oh, the, the list of reasons are pretty long. Um, so in, in the newer areas of the camp, one of the problems that they have is as, as people are located into the camp, they get uh, basically a, a house about the size of the room we're in. So maybe 12 by 25 feet, something like that. This is their home. And um, how many? Uh, eight, ten? Yeah, there's probably uh, de- depending. Sometimes it's it's a small number, five, four, five. Okay. Sometimes it's it's up to I don't know where they, they cap it. At some point they cap it and give you then another house. Um, but what they do, the, the building is made out of. Um, I, I keep saying sticks. I don't know how to describe it. Like logs, you know, like maybe eight inch uh, around, and they so these posts and they wrap it in Tyvek kind of stuff. Yeah, it's essentially a tarp. Mm-hmm. And then they have a tin roof. So in the middle of the night, somebody comes along with a razor blade, zips that bad boy open, takes all your stuff, uh, maybe kidnaps your kid, maybe kills you, uh, whatever it takes to get your stuff, and then take off running. So that's that's uh, way one, you might die. Way two, you might die is cholera, malaria, uh, other diseases. We run into a lot of people with uh, HIV and AIDS, which is a really tough thing in the camp because... Uh, rape is not uh, uncommon because <laughs> so they put up shouldn't laugh. Um, they were like, okay, we have to we have to get this whole thing under control, and one way to do that would be to put up these big lights with generators. So every night everything is lit up because now that there's light, you're a little bit more secure. So they stole all the lights and generators. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. Yeah, right. That was wrong with you, morons. <laughs> Like, woohoo, lights, generators. I can sell those. <laughs> now we have power all the time. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, <laughs> it's a really struggling. You want these people to run your health care. It's cool. No, this it's is cool. the UN. The it's UN. Cool. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
was the UN. And uh, so here's a, here's a great example of classic Kenya. And it's not just Kenya. It's, it's, it's this whole culture that is a, a, in large swaths in Africa. But here in Kenya, they decide to move um, 11 black rhinos from Nakuru and another park over to this other park, right? And they do all of this testing over the, the place where they're going to relocate them. And, I mean, there's not a lot of them in the world left. They're worried about them, them dying off, getting extinct. So they're going to move them over here, test the environment, and, and do all of that testing, move the rhinos over there, and 10 of them died because the water had too high of a salt content. Now, they knew that because they tested it. They just didn't tell anybody. <laughs> so they, classic, classic. Africa, Kenya result. I mean, it's like you almost, but then you didn't. You know, you did the testing. Because they need food and water. Yeah. And food we can do. We can. Grass and stuff is there. But, but, but the water. And they tested it. They knew that the salt content was too high. These people knew, but these people didn't. And they didn't tell them. They just didn't. Hey, the water's <laughs> going to kill your rhinos. Yeah. These are the people who are running the UN camp. So that's another thing, like, for me, it was hard to understand the first time I went because when I think UN, I almost, in my head, was thinking there's, there's like, a country of UNites or something. And these people are um, intelligent and bright. The Brussels, U- like Brussels people. Exactly. Come right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, Probably a little weird. They like, yeah. they like the tea and stuff. <laughs> Jean-Claude Van Damme is, is now going to be, he's, he's my UN, that's the guy I think of when I think UN. Like Jean-Claude is going to go in there and You do don't think Swiss Guard, Swiss Guard at the Vatican, yeah. like weird goofy hats, but like. The, the UN is just a, a big pile of money. Yeah. And they then send that money. To a place. And they give them the blue helmets. Yeah, and they're now and there the you UN. Go. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not cool. It's good, like you're giving you're giving these people with with limited training and understanding. That ran their country into the ground so far that you had to show up. Mm-hmm. Now you're giving them more money mm-hmm. and expecting a different and result. And a uniform. Also a uniform. And a uniform. <laughs> and a gun. And a gun. Yes. <laughs> Which is also another funny thing. Okay, guys, now stop screwing. You're the UN now. You just quit screwing around. I can't tell you how often – so the the um, rifles that they have have magazines where um, the there's little holes in them. So you could just – at a quick glance, you can see how many rounds you have left in your magazine. So a guy like me is looking – I can't tell you how many empty magazines in rifles I saw where I'm like, maybe you've got one in the chamber. Like Barney Fife kind exactly. of stuff. Like You might have one, <laughs> yeah. but I know you don't have five because that hole right there says you have five and it doesn't say you have five. So all I need to do is that – Best dodge, dodge four one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Anyways, back on topic. So um, it's it's not it's not designed to work. It's not well, but on the other but hand, but it's designed for us to say, "Hey, look at all the good work we're doing <sighs> for destitute poor people." And without that, they'd all be dead. Yeah, yeah. So you maybe know, no, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. No, they would have just hunted them all down and killed them, or they would have died in the desert. So right. The idea of nation building all of a sudden, or at least targeted assassinations. It's, it's things like this that make me think imperialism? Maybe. <laughs> you know, it's like. Why don't we just give this chunk of Africa, like the real UN nations, right? Right. We'll take this over here. You guys take that over there. And we'll make a bunch of their top people exceedingly wealthy to not hunt down and kill 
their own people. You know, that would never happen. That tribalism so, yeah, yeah, yeah. there, like we talk about tribalism here, Why and did it's we make, significant, yeah. but it's big deal there, super big deal. But that's part of. I mean, that's kind of what they did. That this this mm-hmm. camp is essentially its own. It, it functions like it's its own country or its own government. It's its own entity. It's, it it functions as itself. And like that, a microcosm of the UN. Yeah, yeah, and it and it pisses off the Turkana people. So it's it's not. So like we'd have to do a land grab, and and this is I think against the the collective social conscious of Americans to say we're just taking this chunk from these these are the people who used to have it. Now it's ours, and we're just going to make a thing that works. And we have guns, so y'all are going to go along with it. Yeah, and again, it's against our collective conscience, even though However, that is America. <laughs> That's the thing we did, because the people who are here, the Sioux, you know, that we kind of took their land and said it's ours now, and you can hang out over there if you want. It's kind of what people have been doing forever. forever. Imperialism. Maybe? Will to power? <laughs> Nietzsche, right? It's a little... So, so complicated, dude. I honestly, I don't know. So that's why I have I, last year I came back and I, man, I have mixed feelings about the UN. I really do, because they they would all be dead. Right. But However, instead they're just suffering a lot. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> so I live in the refugee camp. Can I decide one day, guys? Thanks, but. Uh, Due to the wonders of technology, I found somewhere 50 miles away that's willing to give me a crappy job with a with a with room to grow. Uh, it's not an easy yes or no uh, answer. the The answer is kind of because you can apply and get permits to um, go on for schooling, and you can get out. But it's not as simple as hey, I've decided I want to go. You have to have a plan. Yep, and you have to do so. We we um. There's this there's this young woman who who lives there named Lily, and she has she's become iconic at Living Faith because last year it was the coolest thing in the world. We're all with this Ethiopian people, and it's like hard living. Um, they're you know they're good people, but it, they're scraping together very very traditional culture. Women wear skirts. I mean it's it's exactly what you picture in your head when you think um, traditional Africa tribe, and it was almost like out of the mist. Like or like, I always right, there, right. there should have been an explosion behind her with a large basket on her head. <laughs> she she steps right? out. No, she nope. she is westernized. She's okay. wearing trousers, not pants. Pants are underwear in Kenya, so don't make that mistake. Next time, <laughs> next time I won't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she comes walk out. She's wearing trousers. She's got like a tank top on. She's got aviator sunglasses, and it's like, and she's got these long dreads, and you're like. What are you doing here? <laughs> like you should be on a movie set. It was cool. She she did really well in school mm-hmm. and got um, permission and permits and everything to leave and go to Nairobi and go to university. And um, that connection happened because she had an uncle who was from a different part of Ethiopia who simply immigrated and went to Nairobi. So she had this connection. So she went to school there. She is a hundred percent able to get out she 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 could get a job she could apply for citizenship she all would, star but definitely she would get it came back to the camp because that's where her grandmother and her mm-hmm. uh uncle other uncle and her father i think were there so so for us looking at how can we as christians love them basically it wouldn't be here's an extra ration of rice Ooh. it would be 
here's how we can provide access for whole families to honestly better life. The the thing that Christians do and the things that we do there are different. Mm-hmm. We go there and we tell them about Jesus, and then we leave. No, long term. Yeah. So that's good. Mm-hmm. So that's that's good. So I have um, just for those listening in, assumed in the process of getting them to get the skills necessary for whole families to move and get a better life, you would also, in that process, tell them the best news of the Lord are here. Yes. However, your story. Right, yeah. It, those things are prohibitive because, number one, how would you pick? Because I, I tell people that there's almost this luxury of suffering in this camp. And it sounds weird, but what it means is because the suffering and the need is so great, while the the urge and instinct to monetarily or physically help still exists it's so big you can't it's like if you looked at an ocean and had this instinct where i need to get all the water out of that ocean and i've got a cup but i'm not worried about the whole ocean well but how would you choose how would you choose okay fair point right it's the need is so great and and by the way there's danger to it too because if you started to benefit one group one family I'm telling you, they would be robbed, killed, and and it would it would happen right. And so, fair point, right? So that doesn't work. Yeah. So there is okay. no. So this is the the toughest thing for Americans when we go over there. I tell them, there is no way you can help in the way that you will instinctively want to help. Mm-hmm. You can't. It's gonna come across. Maybe I'll give them no. What if we no? Maybe we could build no. 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 You can't. You cannot. The only thing you can do is share the love of Jesus with them. Mm-hmm. And then they go, but that seems so small. And I go, oh, there's there's your spiritual problem. You think stuff is more significant than faith. So who's got the bigger problem? Yeah, yeah. That their real problem is they don't have as much stuff as we do. Right. That they're struggling. The problem is they're struggling right. to make it. Then this, no. All of that would be true if the resurrection wasn't true. Because then, <laughs> then this life is super important. It's the only shot you got, man. You better enjoy every part of it you can have because, uh, you know, when you die, it's all over. And we go, no, 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 no. <laughs> so mm-hmm. the most important thing is this life might suck, but in faith at the resurrection, it you, will stop you, sucking. You will get the Garden of Eden. You will get Gambella. You will get the, the whole new world to live in. The, and the reality is that message there cuts quick right to the core because people, they get it. They're, they'll look at you and be like, yeah, there's, I don't think there's any way for us to ever get out of here. And you go, oh, but let me tell you about a way where you'll return. And they go, I want to hear this. So we went last year um, to a spot where... Uh, I'm going to try and shorten this story as much as possible. There's a church in Ethiopia, a denomination, and we are in fellowship with them as the LCMS. We have a lot of the same beliefs, but it's got nothing Lutheran about it, really. And um, when they went to Dadaab, a couple of them had gotten together, started a church, and then they moved to this refugee camp, kind of brought that with them, packed up their church, (laughs) brought their church, because they weren't sure they were going to get enough tin to build a church. So they brought all that with, started a small little church. And we went there, met with them. They have a couple of 
leaders, what they call evangelists, not trained, not ordained, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but um, the Lutheran Church uh, has, has connected with them a little bit there, and we went with them door to door, and we um, just did evangelism. So you walk up to this hut, and you start telling them about Jesus, you share some scriptures with them, you pray for them, and then you say, you know, later today we're going to get together at this church, we'd like you to come so we can talk to you some more. They come later. We, we kind of connect them with that church. We, we did that for um, just that week and then left, and a different missionary had come in, a uh, different Lutheran, Lutheran missionary came in and did 85 baptisms after we left. Jeez. Right? Nice. Right. So the, that door-to-door that we were, that, that we did had this huge um, harvest a little bit later. It going Working door- with the indigenous church. Mm-hmm. So yep. that, that's... That's yes. going to be your key. And uh-huh. since then, it only gets better. Those, one of the guys, one of the leaders that we went around with, he goes, I saw the effectiveness of the way you do door-to-door, and I just kept doing it after you guys left. So our church grew to the point where people were coming from far enough away that we said, we, we should build a church over here. So they, built, they rebuilt their church way bigger, and they've, they've, they've done a way better job with their church, and then they started a church over here. So now there are two Lutheran churches where there was one small one. There's two big ones. And um, so those two things are now thriving. Those churches are thriving. So that's where we were visiting. The other church that we've uh, been going to has been around for a while, and it's this uh, Sudanese church, and that church also expanded and grew, and they have a pastor. So that pastor kind of goes around and does his best, but again, language, he speaks um, Arabic and English, but he doesn't speak uh, Nul, which is the language of the Ethiopians. So there's there's some kind of, he does his best, and it's it's a little bit clunky, but, but the point is, um, that's what we do, and then this time we come back, and we, we walk door to door, and people say, I remember you from last year. We had two people say, um, I heard that you were here last year, but you didn't make it to my house. I'm so glad to see you and brought them to church. So that the idea is we bring an infusion in a way that um, encourages and ignites more evangelism. And then there's a lot of training that goes on. So I, I sit with right. these leaders and just do basic catechism, biblical instruction, um, and then there's a lot of, a lot of good Christian. I don't want to say non-biblical instruction. That's not what I mean. <laughs> I mean extra extra biblical. It's probably the other way. Right. Um, Practical instruction. For instance. Yep. Last year we had women from our group explaining to the women from their group where babies come from. Because they did not know. So your typical <laughs> LCMS confirmation class. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, uh, what? How do you not? I mean, part of it is that education yeah, yeah. has never been a part of their culture. And now in the camp, they're, they're not, that, that knowledge just wasn't handed down. First article gifts. Yeah. So, so you, um, I, I tagged you on a Facebook thing on my buddy yes. Darren Carlson's thing. Mm-hmm. And three times just listening to you, I was listening. Yeah, the eyes were closed. Kind of don't, don't worry. <laughs> no, no, yeah, and and amazing stuff. But what I what I heard you say three times were referring to the lack of training for local church leadership. Yep. And the traditional model has been, we'll send them over here to seminary. Yeah. It's like, 
But the $75,000 that that would cost, maybe you didn't look around when you were there. That's not a thing. And then while they're gone for three years, Mm -hmm. that church is going to do what? You took all their leaders away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And their families are going to do what? Right, because now you're at $150,000. Like, that doesn't work. You can't send them anywhere. So that's why I wanted you to connect with my buddy Darren Carlson. Mm -hmm. Darren, if you're listening, I love you. (laughs) I friended him on Facebook. Did he accept? Mm -hmm. Yeah, talk to him about baptism. He could be one of ours, except he (laughs) he is a son of a gun when it comes to wanting to drown my kids. So he just doesn't know how. He started, we went to college together, and and, and, uh, he started a organization that provides training on the ground to local leaders of the church in the developing world. Right. And they go, I mean, this thing is taken off, man. It's huge. But they understand that when you, what, what's the biggest need of the third of, of the growing church in Africa, Asia, whatever, it's not money. It's not, it's not whatever it's their leaders need theology. Mm-hmm. They need to know, like put it all together. What is the Christian faith? And you hear these stories about the church, 85 baptism, right? So, Everywhere this is growing, and he, you know, I talked to him about it. He said, you know, that's great, but if you look at the theology of the church that's there, mm-hmm. it's a mix of animism mm-hmm. and, like, some weird Catholicism, some biblical theology. Yep. It's a smorgasbord, right? And the number one need for the church in the developing world that you hear all the stories about and the mass baptisms and the growth is theology. Yes. Is, they need to be trained. They need to learn, but they can't come here to do it. We need to go there. And so yep. he started this group, TLI. And it's amazing the um, the success mm-hmm. of people over here getting it in the same way that you're talking about. Like, so what do they really need? Yes. They need, don't overthink it. They need the gospel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's why. <laughs> Which is weird. It's like God made it easy for us. Like, guys, 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 stop. I'll provide their daily bread. Uh-huh. You speak my name. Uh-huh. It's almost like we couldn't mess it up. And all we do is mess it up. <laughs> all we do is say, yeah, but what programs are we going to have in our church? <laughs> what? How many different things can we spend resources on that Should talk we... around the gospel? Let's, let's spend money petitioning our government to be nice to them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kind of thing. So anyway, it was it just interesting. So it, you and Darren need to hook up. Mm-hmm. A little spooning. A little spooning is cool. Man love, whatever. You Sounds guys need like to connect. A big spoon. Outside or inside? Outside. He'd go for that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so hard to get your head around it until you're there. And it so one of the big problems that we have with our groups is we come back a bit jaded and a bit cynical because we come back it, because people spend time with you. It has nothing to do with Africa. <laughs> well, a little bit, yeah, yeah. Um, because people come back, and what what do you hear, especially in West Des Moines, and I mean, in every suburban church is, we're going on a mission trip. Cool. What are you going to do? Build a house? Oh, that's a service project. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. 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 You're not going to tell anybody about Jesus. So is it a mission trip? No. We're going on a feel good experience. We're gonna we're gonna go dig a well. For Jesus? I mean, Jesus? You're gonna tell the well about Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? And and that's where. But but I think that culture developed because we need to do something nice to them to earn the right to be heard. There's and some then, of that. And then we just started focusing on doing the nice thing because they don't really need to talk to all the people there. I That's guess. the thing. It's like this cold Western American heart that doesn't want to actually engage and tell somebody about Jesus. Human inter- That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. 
we, we because want my to... faith in Christ is so on fire and I, it changed my life so much that I would rather dig a well for you than actually tell you about the best thing that I have going on in my yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. Unless it's not really the best thing. It's a faith crisis. Right. It is a huge faith crisis. And even even in the most dynamic, I mean, if you were, if you were to equate large with dynamic on fire for the gospel church, whatever it is, what is the number one uh, evangelist tool? What is the method of evangelism? Speaking. Yeah, but what do they, they what they do is is they instead of <laughs> Sorry. people going where are you going with this? <laughs> instead of people saying going things. to your neighbor and telling them about Jesus, you go to your neighbor and invite, invite them, them to, to church. Something. Yeah, yeah. So that guy can tell you. He's paid to do it. Right. He's good with words. It's so ass backwards. It's so ass backwards. No, I think tell I mean, somebody about Jesus. We haven't talked about the synod yet. <laughs> And we're, we got like four minutes to go, right? No, I mean, but isn't that, isn't that a mask for the real problem in the church in America today, right? All these books about, well, the demographic, da, 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 and, and, and charts and graphs and explanations and sociology and anthropology and da, da, da. The, the real reason why the church in America is not growing is that our people don't think the resurrection of Jesus is the most important thing to ever happen. Right. Yeah, and, I, and, and, and and it's not a matter of program. It's not a matter of ministry structure. It's not a matter of anything except that our generally, generally, we don't get it. Yeah, it's I, a faith issue. It's not a structure or an implementation or whatever. Our people don't get it. I think a lot of it has to do also with the systematization. That thing I can't say systematization, systemizing. Systemizing. It's your word. Don't look over <laughs> here. I have. It's not systemic. Socialization. <laughs> Nicely done. Um, it is not that we have we have tried to systematize all of the church and put it into um, categories and boxes and processes and methodologies. And I and I bring this up every now and then very carefully with people because. Like one of the worst things that has ever happened to Christians, and it, I know it hit the, the Lutheran Church, is the Kennedy method of evangelism. If you're unfamiliar with that and listening, the Kennedy method was this, like, basically a script. You knock on a door, hello, my name is, and I am from this church. If you died today, do you know where you would go? And then they give a response. Depending on the response, that the method it's like is a choose your own adventure. It's a total choose your own adventure Co- discussion. Yeah, it's all cerebral. It's all in your head, and it's got nothing to do with your heart telling somebody about Jesus. But even that is a mask for the real problem. If the resurrection of Jesus is the most important thing in my life, I don't need a script. That's what I'm saying. In the same way that as a dad, when when, when you talk to your son to tell him you love him, this is how you like. Or my daughter, right? I, I love Sarah. I love Thomas. So I don't need a script as to how do you mm-hmm. do that because I love them. Right. It's like the it's like the sex talk if it were just going to be biology. Penis, vagina. Instead of men and women and love and relationship, bride of Christ, all, all of this kind of stuff, you know, we, we have that to come. Instead, we go, mm, penis goes in vagina. But don't. Not until you're married, but penis vagina. That's how it happens. We don't talk about love, relationship, we don't talk about commitment, that. marriage. And the reason why those programs have been developed and the reason why blah, 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 mission trips are digging wells is because 
the faith of our people is weak. Yeah. And even, because I, I do know. And as clergy, maybe some of that could possibly be our fault. A lot of it. And some of it, too, pe- people who really are passionate about, I think part, so when you say clergy's fault, I would say clergy and like Church Inc. fault. Because. Sure. Be. I don't know if you've looked at our synod, but <laughs> right? Missouri Synod Inc. is kind of run by, <laughs> which is a vocational thing, right? So I, I forgot my tangent. I wanted to go on. It was the whole, why is the president of our synod have to have a reverend in his name? Uh, yeah, right? Why? Because anyway, that's who only cares. pastors can do things. Because we are the most gifted of right. the body of Christ with the various yeah. gifts given. But you have to go to seminary for it to work in the See, church setting. You don't want the best administrator or executive to be the head of your synod. You want the best pastor to be the head of your synod. Yeah, and how because do you decide? Because we don't understand vocation. Anyway, that's, sorry. <laughs> how would we even decide who's the best pastor? Because I can make a case. For me. <laughs> right? You but, were going to say? Um, how's your associate? Let's... Let's be completely ADD. How's your associate thing going? Uh, I think it's good. We got a really good list, and I, I'm, I'm always, I'm, I'm trying to stay one and a half steps away because I don't want to, I don't want to influence and be like, I want this guy, so go get that guy. Instead, the, the team, I kind of keep reporting back to a couple of guys um, on the team, and we have a killer, killer team getting ready to, to pick. And the, so the, the head of it goes, I was hoping for five. But, you know, from, from the list of uh, 20-ish that we had, he was hoping to get it to five, couldn't get it under eight. So that tells me we okay. got great candidates. Yeah. Uh-huh. Did you get to interview? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Why would we not interview? Why would I not no, interview? I said to you. Yeah, why wouldn't I? Okay, because you said I wasn't going to have anything to do with it. Oh, my input will be heard. But what, it, what I'm also trying sure to do... you do thumbs up, thumbs down, gladiator style. I reserve the right to uh, veto. Sure. But I'm pretty sure I'm not going to need that right at all. Um, Just for fun on a couple of guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did go through the list, and I and I Thank did... you for your time in this interview. Yeah. You are unacceptable. Right. Just, just once. <laughs> You're fired. You get your rush. You get your... You get your... <laughs> yeah, somebody we're not going to call anyways. Just fly him in just so I can smash him. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Luke, he's not even on our list. I don't care. Bring him in. He looks like a guy who needs to get smashed. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like an asshole, so I'm going to treat him like one. Who would you Who would you want to do it to? Um, on our list? Or just no, anybody? the thumbs down. Just crush hopes and dreams. I was going to crush somebody's hopes and dreams. Uh, of the of the, of the, the rostered, called and ordained. Somebody from our Senate. class that I would love to smash. Heath Curtis would be fun, mm. right? Because that guy is, I would love to Because he's up there. Yeah, he's like the smartest guy and like awesome at everything. And you can make him second guess everything from this moment. <laughs> you know what you need? I can't even be the associate. Yeah, right. <laughs> You'd be like, I told you I didn't want this job. I don't care. You come here so I can yell at you. You said this for a golf outing. <laughs> yeah. Swing by having, the church real quick. I thought we were having dinner. <laughs> no. You suck. Who are these people in the why is there? <laughs> yeah, Heath Curtis would be fun to smash. Jeremiah Johnson. Remember Jeremiah? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. He's like the nicest guy in the world. Yeah, we went running back when that used to be. Yeah, super nice guy. Smart, good guy. I'd love to crush him. Make him cry. I don't really. <laughs> <laughs> Just because it's so not right to do. No, because that, it would get in your head, right? It would get, you'd be like. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> I made Jeremiah cry. I'm an evil 
human face. He's, he's in my brain because um, a friend... Because he's better than you. Well, he, he, Insecure. He honestly, yes. He's a better human he being is, than me. He's awesome. <laughs> but uh, one of the guys, one of the guys, one of the women on our mission trip, their friend worships at his church. And I was just like, oh, make sure you tell your friend to tell him hi. I, I love that guy. And then he And then I just life. bring him in and smash him. <laughs> <laughs> I would not do that to Jeremiah Johnson. He's a good guy. I want to reconnect with him. See, I haven't really... Up in Minneapolis area. Yeah, yeah. Senior pastor of a, a good-sized church. Just, oh, that, that I'm sure he's terrible, doing right. terrible people. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't I should go to that church and... So you're going to be a senior pastor then. I am. Mm-hmm. Are you going to make people call you the senior pastor? Are you going to redo your business Nobody cards? calls me pastor. People just call me Luke. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Because you don't call people by their job title either when you just talk to them normally. I usually don't. Maybe my doctor. Yeah, I don't have to though. Like Hairstylist Karen, uh, thank you. For, yeah, you, no one, no one does that. No one does that. Why do they do that for us? Why, Hello, Mister Gas Station Attendant. <laughs> I'd like a pack of smokes. <laughs> no one calls people by their job description except for us and doctors. Doctors. Is that yeah? I mean, especially like if it's if you're in the hospital. But there's something comforting about that. Like in the hospital. I, I want to call you Dr. So-and-so for my benefit, <laughs> not for yours, because I want to make you sure... You have magic powers. You're not the janitor, right? <laughs> you're doctor? You're definitely doctor. No. <laughs> right. Yeah, you, yeah. you put that scalpel down. <laughs> <laughs> put the scalpel down, pick up a mop, asshole. So I'm call like... <laughs> processes... Call process is going good. It when, is. When are you going to get a guy? Uh, I'm hoping October... Is really, I do, yeah. School year, huh? You're gonna yank it. No, what I'm hoping is that we we extend the call and try and get him um, in before the school year starts. But like, I wouldn't expect him to be starting starting. Like, if we called right, him right. and he's here in September, like, hey, I know your house is in boxes. <laughs> get <laughs> but, to work. But you're preaching this. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna be a terrible scene. <laughs> Or like the best one ever, because me, look at me. Or, <laughs> or I'll just let this. Him have these conversations on. will turn into therapy. It'll be great. <sighs> you know, leave the rookie. Man. Yes. <laughs> well, we're not going to get a rookie. We're going to get a guy. You should get a rookie. You know, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <I> don't want to. <laughs> we're not at that stage where we can afford you can the develop risk. Any... Afford the risk. Afford the risk. You take a bit of a risk. You guys got a rookie. We got a good rookie. I, well, I don't doubt that. I'm just saying. You know how good he is. You know how good he is. So we worked out together for the first time, like three weeks ago, two week, whatever it was, and we saw a weight belt guy at the gym. There's a guy. He's college age. I'm not going to say a whole lot because if this goes according to plan, maybe there'll be a chance to listen to this. <laughs> he's the weight belt guy. Mm-hmm. He's the loud guy. Me and my lifting and squat, full squat, and you got to get the you know. And he's that guy. But he's not very strong, and he has a huge weight belt that says your God is dead. <laughs> and so I off, maybe offered uh, Pastor Hanneman and Pastor Coop $1,000 if they could get him baptized. That's a good, proper, godly incentive. <laughs> Don't question the method. Now, does it count if they just throw water on him and nope. say the words? <laughs> nope. Be like, can I spot you? And then just pour water on him. It can be a – because I've actually heard him talking about like, 
oh, you're going to grandma's church and the sky god. Ah, like he hates God. Wow. And the I hate your your God is dead weight belt and like, oh, this guy is, we have our sights on him. So Aaron's been looking for an in. I've been, I wouldn't know how to be like, your weight belt sucks. Let's talk about stuff. Yeah. But, but yesterday, Coop texts me. He's going to, he's like, guess who I spotted today? Joe. Guess who Joe is? Weight belt guy. Weight belt guy. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> this is like the coolest, this would be the biggest, us, we're praying for Joe, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, like you hate God. Great. Tell me about that. Yeah. He's dead. You hate him. He doesn't exist, whatever. And, and our new guy has gotten. He's in. And he learned stuff about him. It wasn't like spotting with your, your, you know, your earphones on so you don't have to talk. And mm-hmm. Like, you, like yeah. I do. Right. <laughs> so this is exciting. So new guy, uh, if we can get weight belt guy on the team, yeah, that'd be huge. Like bring down a mastodon. <laughs> it's a mythical creature. I um, you don't you don't do you know bid out baptisms to your members. If you I get the not. pastor from the Presbyterian Church next door to join our church, it's ten grand. Who pays? Who cares? <laughs> that's, that's not real. Money. I'm not going to pay them. <laughs> So your reward is in heaven. <laughs> Perfect. You'll have your reward at the resurrection. It would be awkward at the baptism. All right, we did it. Pay me. What was that about? Oh, nothing. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Worry about it. it doesn't involve you. You're on the team-ish. Somewhat. You need to pay him now. I, uh, I'm fearing that I'm turning it a bit into a gym snob because I work out at Lifetime, which is the best gym on the planet. Because I work out at Lifetime. We call it a, it's a fitness center. It's the club. I, I go to the club. <laughs> It's so sad. But I got to tell you, I, I am a guy. You don't work out with me anymore. I'm not. Because I got my sauna privileges. I normally I normally try and be, like I try and have a little section of life that's different. And I, and I don't try and be the regular Luke in that place. Because the regular Luke likes conflict and he likes confrontation. I try and not do that. I know, hard to imagine, right? But the other day, there's a dude and he's a he's a big guy. By which I mean probably 6'5", um, tall, f- relatively, I mean, just a thick dude. Not fat, but definitely not thin. Big human being. He's got, he's got um, 315 on. And, <laughs> oh no. Sorry. It's Benching? way worse. Benching? Bench press, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, so you're like, this guy's legit. No. For those of you that don't know. He's three, not that legit. <laughs> three, 315 on bench, three plates on each side, you're legit. But hear the rest of the story. If you can do it. Yeah, hear the rest of the story. He's, he's got wafy little girlfriend spotting him. And he puts it up. And he, he I swear, drops it on his rib cage. It gets, bounces. I mean, gets, it, he gets the bounce? He looks like it goes three inches into <laughs> it. I, mean, I was worried. He's, he's doing CPR on himself. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> bounces it. Does it three times, slams it back, and, and jumps up. And I'm not kidding. In the loudest voice imaginable, goes, yeah, three reps. And he's pounding his chest. And he's he continues. He's doing it for like 10 seconds. You're like, I want, I want his pre-workout. <laughs> I looked at him and I went, stop, stop. You're embarrassing yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and he looked at me. I, I didn't think about it. I was right next to him. I was, stop, stop, stop. You're embarrassing yourself. Everyone here 
is, is listening to this. Like, just don't do that. And he looks at me, and he's like, well, that's new PR. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Nobody cares. Right. <laughs> you don't have to you announce expect it to care. the rest of the world. That was... Uh, then what? He, he kind of got embarrassed, but also because there's, there's a couple of guys <laughs> at that gym. Not even a couple. There's, there's a number of guys who are monsters. Who See, are that's <laughs> the thing. If, you, if you do that, you need to be noticeably bigger monsters. than everybody there because... Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then the guy next to you is a monster. And I'm like... And quietly rep, just repping it out, no big deal. Yeah. I had a guy ask me to guy. spot him, and he was he was declined benching almost 500 pounds. Duh. He goes, can you spot me? And I went, no. Nope. I'll stand here while you work out. <laughs> I said... It's fine. I go, honestly, I don't I'll think call I'm for the help. right guy for this. <laughs> I told him that. He's a super nice guy. And he just kind of giggles. And he goes, no, that's cool. I, I should be able to get it. It won't be a problem. Just, you know, I need you here for a little bit of help just in case. And I went your life <laughs> sign the waiver yeah, like okay <laughs> you say so but then what was the girlfriend when he's doing his little like she was smash she yeah was yeah yeah it was it was super super so she was like thank you and i think he was probably like a big either late high school early college age kid oh, like one of those guys just he just got super big just genetics so he hasn't realized that so with his peer group he's the monster he is yeah what he doesn't understand is this is everything. Where you are in the food chain is everything. Yeah. He doesn't know that, like, the food chain, there's, like, other levels of the food chain. Yeah. You're on the food chain, dude. You did 315. Yeah. You're on the food That's fine. chain. But, but there's more. Yeah. And those yeah. people are watching you. He was, he was a big fish in a little pond, and now he's at Lifetime where the, where the sharks swim. And and I'm a goldfish in this pond. I'm cool with that. But you know where you are, right? I'm, I I'm keep my head down and I and I just swim around in little circles and stay out of the way of the sharks because <laughs> they're because they're big. Yeah, you know, we Mark. had an, another another moment in time where I I stepped in to stop a guy from murdering somebody at Lifetime. So <laughs> <laughs> it's such an interesting gym because again because it costs a lot of money and they let anybody join. Like you just have to give them a pile of money and you're in. So, <laughs> so there's a guy who I think was roiding out. He he was way there's more, a lot of acne and kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, <laughs> he was, Small and testicles. he is like he's jacked, right? When you're way too big for your frame, and you're yes, yeah. that's what it is too. Because he's yeah, not tall. This is not, he's yeah. my height, and he, there's maybe maybe four percent body fat on this dude, and he just his eyes are crossed. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> a little bit of that. He he didn't seem like he'd gone to school much. Anyways. <laughs> He may have skipped instead of skipping leg day, he skipped school days. And he was he's there working out, and there's this other guy who's like a tubby mid-50s. Just a guy. Maybe was an athlete okay. 30 years ago. Once a football player, always a football exactly. player kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes and gets just giant dumbbells. I, I think he was Which guy? Doing, the Roid guy? No. Old guy. Old guy. I think they were maybe like 110s or something. So he's yeah. And so he, he carries them one at a time, waddles over to a bench, mm-hmm. and boom, sets it down, boom, sets the other one down. And I, immediately I see the roid guy like, look over his shoulder, and he's like, ugh. And then the guy hoists them up one at a time, gets back on the bench. What's great is Luke is acting out what he's <laughs> telling you right now. Yeah, I wish you guys could watch this. And he like, anyway, squeezes yeah. out like two dumbbell reps. And then drops him. And the guy just, he's like, oh, dropping the fucking weights. 
And I'm like, jeez. And the guy who did it is not paying attention. Like, because the guy's not yelling at him. He's yelling, like... He's just having a moment to himself. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he's not looking in that direction. And the guy does it, like, three more times. And the guy, like, yells about it. Each time, the face gets redder, right? This is personal. And again, he's not... He's not talking to the guy. These are his weights that he named, probably. Yes, and yeah, he's yeah, just yeah. yelling it like as a public service announcement, <laughs> like for all. Not specifically, hey, dude, don't drop the weights. And he's like, I am, a, I am against weight dropping. Yeah, and there's a sign that's up there that that has a couple of things on it that you you shouldn't do. One of them is drop the dumbbell. Don't drop the dumbbells. So he's like, that's on the again, not looking at him, <laughs> pointing at the sign. That's on the wall. Don't drop the weights. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is going to be a fist fl- This is, And this guy's going to murder this other guy. I, I'm going to see a homicide. I'm going to have to be a witness. I'm going to fill out forms. I have to go to court. Like, I'm not, I just want to lift, right? <laughs> I'm like debating leaving just so I don't have to go to court. So finally, the guy spins around and he starts like yelling at the dude. Now it's face to face, but the dude has earbuds in. He hasn't heard any of this, or he's heard yelling, but hasn't put together that it's him. It's probably the guy who did three fifteen three times <laughs> it's, it's, over on the. His Smith eyes machine. are like saucers. He's like, "Who is this madman who is screaming at me?" I I stepped in and I was like, "Easy, easy, easy, easy." And I, I looked at the guy and go, it, "You know, you, you don't want to drop the weights. You really can't break them. And then you know, it's it's probably a problem if you it know, is. It is on the wall. It is on the wall. And the and I looked at the guy. I'm like. Just chill out, you know, and it just kind of, yeah, you just need to go punch a wall or something, Captain America, get out of here. And so he left in a, in a tizzy, and the guy looked at me like, I almost died, didn't I? I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I was going to kill you. <laughs> he was straight up going to murder you right here from us all. Because you dropped Katie and Kathy on the floor. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, the gym. It was so great. So you stopped going to Aspen with me right when it got good. Because now it's all the $10 a month people. Oh, yeah. So all the people that can't afford your gym are at that Aspen. Nice. No. No? Not no. good? No, it's not that there's a lot of stories. There's a lot of sadness. <sighs> yeah. Just a lot of food chain, not knowing where we are. Guys benching 225 and like... Yeah. Like, Mah! Like, okay, it's not your first time here. It's bad. Mm-hmm. It's bad. Yeah, act like you've been here before. Yeah. It is too oh, bad. gym. That's funny. Yeah, it was. It was not. I I like working out at Lifetime. Do you have any, like, people were wearing the, the oxygen masks? Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because they cost money. And, mm-hmm. and you anybody. Can like, you can look like a superhero. Yeah, you, well, no, you look like Bane. <laughs> what I love are the people wearing the masks. First of all, I love the wearing the masks because you're, you're not, you're not going <clears> to, <throat> like, do UFC in Mexico City. Right. right. You're not, you, don't, you don't need this. And what you do need is to get on the treadmill and just run faster not run slower with a mask on your head. Right. What I love are the people who wear the mask and then do anaerobic exercise. <laughs> uh-huh. It's like, this is for cardio. <laughs> this mask, you should never wear it. If you do wear it... I've read bad things about those masks. I don't think well, they're good. No. Yeah? <laughs> when your body needs oxygen, it needs should, oxygen. You give it to it. <laughs> You're not right. Um, my, my current favorite thing, and I was just telling um, one of the people on the mission trip who's superhuman workout person... Um, the number one current exercise I see at Lifetime is, uh, well, there's, there's just like three, but one of them specifically, it's all about big, giant, toned girl butts. And 
it's a it's the exercise is you wrap a strap around your foot that's like a, a low cable mm-hmm. and then you stand and you kick out mm-hmm. with your foot and the the only thing that this does is it it tones and shape shapes girl butts there are so many girls doing this at lifetime now that they have added machines <laughs> i'm not kidding that are for just the, for the, this for exercise the mule, it's a mule kick it is like a mule kick, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, then they go and they do it on like the stair stepper, and I'm like, just that's it. Like you're just you're just doing this exercise, like you're just a butt workout person. It's like the bicep guy. Oh, the bicep guy. And yeah, yeah. yeah this a, is not this is not what you need. Biceps don't do stuff. No. And when you if you get a good back workout, you're gonna hit your biceps, right? It, you're pulling. It's it's fine. Maybe a little bit like on tricep day. They feel left out, so you do a little biceps, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Once a week. Oh, yeah, at the max. But that's yeah, really, yeah. it's just back day. But there's there's a guy at Lifetime who, he looks like an action hero. Like Bicep a, guy. Like an action figure. Parts of him do. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, but he does like a full-on bicep day. But they're, 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 they're this big. They go from here to they're here. They're perfectly round, too. They're like a whoop and like full of veins. So hot. It curls for the girls, baby. Um but there's a power lifter, and I can't remember his name. His bicep exploded at one point, and he uh-huh. was just doing curls for the girls. Like, that, that was his whole thing. Like, he just sure. lifted everything. But he set, like, three world records doing different, like, bench press, um, deadlift, and squat. I think he's got all three world records for his weight class, and he, his bicep isn't connected. You look at his arm. He literally doesn't need it. Yeah, it, it's, it's like a floppy. He's got this weird, like, a giant tricep and like a noodle bicep and he's like biceps don't do stuff all right i'll give you 500 bucks <laughs> for a year only work out one half of your body <laughs> i've been very i've been curious about this forever i don't want to do it just to be like you and, and then at the end of the year you're like there is absolutely no difference if i go for a walk i just go in circles because <laughs> one side just hop, is- <laughs> just hop right <laughs> yeah what's the point what is the point we're done I want to hear a little bit about Creation Museum before we go. Oh, okay. So we went to the Creation Museum in Ark Encounter. Is it dumb? Uh, Ark Encounter's cool, right? You go there down in Kentucky. It's a big ark, life-size Noah's Ark. Very well done that way. And there's a lot of good information on the inside about this is a way that it could have happened. The big thing that I liked about it was the notion that people that lived a long time ago weren't dumber than we are. Mm-hmm. They're not really hairy dudes banging rocks together. Mm-hmm. Like they're that we are actually getting dumber as a species <laughs> the longer we exist, and that our genetic code is noticeably getting weaker, even just the last couple of generations. Like so, the idea that that we evolved like monkey brain to like you know Einstein brain. No, Noah probably was a genius engineer, mm-hmm. and also people are living six hundred years healthy, and you can do that because you have a thicker atmosphere. There's more oxygen, yeah. all that kind of stuff, right? So. If you haven't researched that, research it. Yeah. It's good stuff. That I may go to school for 100 years for my trade, right? And then in my job, I have 500 years experience. I'm going to be a pretty good at building a books. wizard at <laughs> right at whatever I do, you know? So they don't have to rush through college, but you know what I mean? Like their apprenticeship or whatever. If you know you're going to live 600 healthy years and mom and dad are going to be around to provide, like you can spend a lot of time developing your craft. In a way that we can't understand, they weren't dumb back then, and I think that 
our understanding of, oh, they're banging rocks together. Oh, we don't really believe in that, but we sort of do. Like, they're really primitive. and all. They probably weren't. Right. They built the pyramids. Right. The aliens didn't. The aliens didn't Are build the pyramids. Sure? I am 100% sure the aliens did <laughs> not build the pyramids. You don't but fly. But they point up. They did, they, did drop, they did drop alien sperm on the earth to create <laughs> life as we know it. But no, so that was cool. The thing that, the, so, you know, we're Christian. So instead of pointing out the millions of things that are great about it, we'll come at the one thing that I thought was, could use improvement. And it was that they didn't differentiate between, this is what the Bible says clearly, and we know this is right, to, yeah, and we're kind of guessing at this, and it could be this. Christian hypothesis. So like the earth is 6,000 years old, and it's like, Yes, we know the days in Genesis are days. Yes, we know what happened in this order. Yes, but you're making a jump that in the beginning is day one when it doesn't need to be from Genesis 1. Mm-hmm. In the beginning could be some time before or whatever. Maybe it's day one. We don't know. And you're saying that the genealogies done back then were done to 21st century uh, standards. Right. And you have to prove that genealogies weren't done that way. The genealogy we have of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew would indicate that they had a different rule for doing genealogies where, like, so-and-so is the father of so-and-so really means, like, could be the dad, could also be the great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-granddad. Right. So they they made it on, on equal footing with six days is six days and the order of creation is the order of creation. They put that on an equal, like, important scale as the earth is 6,000 years old. Right. And it's like, it could be. I mean, I, I wasn't there, you weren't there, nobody was there. I mean, we do what everyone else does. Every other culture claim to look back and look ahead in time by looking at rocks and stars. We're doing the same thing, only we have neat toys to look at rocks and stars. We're no right. different. So that that I thought was the one thing that's like, eh, don't push that. But a lot of really good information in the ark. The Creation Museum, I didn't understand. <laughs> because I'm like, okay, don't tell me it's a Creation Museum. Just call it the thing, right? So I'm going to the thing. And when I get to the thing, they have a planetarium that showed a movie that I paid nine bucks for that a buddy of mine after I got done is like, hey, it's on YouTube. <laughs> Son of a gun. <laughs> really comfy seats. <laughs> um, then they have a gift store. Okay, you have a gift store, right? Whatever. And there's stuff in there that was good, stuff in there that was weird. Um, and then you have the walk through the creation thing where it's a lot about dinosaurs and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Uh, then, then I go outside and there's a zip line. Cool. Awesome. Who doesn't like zip lines? Right. Then I'm walking through gardens that look like a lot of flora and what is it? Flora. A lot of flora in the gardens. And but then there's this like dinosaur made out of thin sticks with Christmas lights wrapped around it in like a clearing in the garden. What's what, what I don't get it. Right. And then there's a lot of water that's kind of dirty, but like a lake and a bubbling thing, and then there's a petting zoo. And so, right, like goats and cows and... Trying to be family-friendly, maybe? What, what am... And so you're telling me you're a creation museum. All right, I went to the Smithsonian two months ago. You know what they didn't have? Petting zoo? Petting zoo with a zip line. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, I was... I mean, you're telling me it's a museum, but I don't understand what you are. You're like, are you a amusement park? Are you Christian thing to do with yeah. with fundamentalist people? A lot of Mennonites, they're... they're Hats. The coasters? Yeah, yeah. Doilies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's like Christian yarmulkes. And uh, <laughs> so I, it, it was fine. I mean, I'm glad we went. We bonded as a church. The people that went, we had a great time. Yeah. That part was really awesome. I just, it's called a creation museum. 
when if you're going to go there, don't equate it to other museum experiences you've had. Okay. It's going to be different, whether it's better or worse. Yeah, that's up for you to decide. See, I, I think that one of the one of the things that Christians have to get not past, but just kind of around almost is um, old Earth and and being you know biblically sound in your days of creation and and all of that. These these things are are not required to coexist. You can have old Earth and and still be consistent with creation and orthodox and and all these things. You, you don't have to. Old Earth does not necessarily equate evolution. Those are two different things. And mm-hmm. I, I've heard a lot of and I, and I I'm kind of in the same camp I think as you. Is I don't say that I know, but I say that well, it's possible that the Earth is old. There were still seven days, six plus one days of creation. And mm-hmm. th- these things are still possible. Mm-hmm. One of, Absolutely. One yeah, of my yeah, yeah. favorite theories behind that is uh, time dilation. So, oh, geez. <laughs> have you heard this one? It's actually pretty good. Do I pee or do I listen to Luke talk to me about time dilation? Because I'm pretty dilated right now. You have to pee? Coffee. I do. <sighs> I drink way more coffee than you. I drank on the way over here. Oh, I drank yesterday. I drank all night. <laughs> I have a catheter pushing coffee back into me right now that you don't know anything about. (laughs) Okay, talk to me about time dilation. So the universe is expanding. So Maybe, sure. What if we said that God in the beginning says it and it it begins, but it begins with that infinitely dense point, you know, everything created out of nothing, suddenly everything is in one point, boom, begins to expand. Sure. Close to that point of in infinite density, there would be a great deal of gravity, right? Sure. So gravity... Like, like all the gravity. All the gravity. All of gravity is in one single point. We don't really know what gravity is, by the way. Keep in mind. But we do know we, that gravity sorry. bends time. Okay. So... So I don't have a problem with that because to me that's all in the beginning stuff. It is. And the universe could have been expanding for a day. It could have been expanding for two minutes. It could have been expanding for 10 billion years. I don't care. What Moses writes about is in six days God made Earth special. Right. And created light and all a bunch of other stuff. Right. And the problem I have with the whole – the universe is 15 billion light years across so it has to be 15 billion years old. That's not science. Right. Science can't look back in time 15 billion years and observe it and repeat it. It assumes that – and this is getting to your point – the speed of light has remained constant through time. Well, yeah. And we have evidence today of things that can bend time, slow it down, speed it up. Why do we Gravity. think that yeah. why do we think the time has remained constant over 15 billion years? One is why do we think that when we can observe that that's not the case in certain areas? And then two, how do we scientifically prove it, which you cannot do. Right. So for me, what we need to do as 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 theologians is really drill down on what is science. Science is fantastic. But to claim to look back in time or forward in time, you've gone. It doesn't mean you're wrong. It means you've gone outside the bounds of science, which is observable and repeatable. Right. So the anyway, and on day one, if if the immediate day one creation happens and it begins to expand, where that expansion has has gotten to is bigger than a, an infinitely dense small point, mm-hmm. but it's still dense, and so time will be slower. It's like if you are the the current. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. It says, you know, if you're near an event horizon. Because there's more gravities close together. Yeah. So, but if you're further from that point, so if, if you're at that point, this is the, the theory of, of relativity. So relative to where you're observing it, if you're close to it, it is a shorter amount of time than if you're further away from it and gravity is less, 
you'll observe it as a longer period of time. So the observable time across that universe when it's beginning to expand mm-hmm. is still going to be 15 is still going to look like 15 billion years because right. of the density of gravity. And and so the perspective of Genesis is written from God's perspective because he's the only one observing creation. <laughs> I mean the, nobody's around to say it felt like 24 hours. But from God's perspective it was 24 hours because he's the only one but you're still saying it. on day one God created the heavens and the earth yeah and it was 24 hours and I'm saying what the Bible says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth yeah was that on day one maybe was that before day one yeah maybe I don't, it doesn't matter that's yeah so there's there's at least two different ways that that I think are easily accessible to say days of creation are 24 hours even though it feels like billions of years those those two things are not mutually exclusive because right. from our perspective, if, in, in an and we're assuming we know what something fifteen yeah. billion years old looks like, right? In the same way, we assume we know what rocks that are whatever whatever years old look like, right? That's great, and you might be right. It's also not science. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's reasonable to say, if God created the Earth on day one, He would have created an Earth that looked old. <laughs> it's like, My point is, well, we don't have a new Earth to compare it to, right? So, in other words, it's not scientific to say, well, this Earth looks old. Where's your new earth right. that, you're, that you're comparing it against? Right. You have a theoretical new earth that you can't point to or find evidence of. Right. Again, you might be right. It's also not science. Yeah. It just it, The science says there must not be an external input. And that is that is a, a premise you can work with, but, it, but it, you don't know that. <laughs> you know? And so, like, for me, if, if I were to start a garden in my backyard— I wouldn't say, all right, what I'm going to do is wait for a hundred years until the ground becomes fertile enough because things happen to die there, dogs poop there, and then I'll start planting things in the ground that has become fertile. No, I would dig a spot open and put already fertile dirt, or I would add things to it to make it fertile. So you say the earth is, you know, it would have taken a billion years to form the oceans. Unless God said, <laughs> for oceans, put it there, and it would take it would take a million years to make the Grand Canyon. Unless without God, God created a canyon that was grand, or the flood carved it out in a matter of days. And there's some I, I've read some. There's stuff interesting stuff there. Yeah. There's a lot there. There's Mount St. Helens and all that stuff. And yeah, 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 how that happens um, that we can observe and can be repeated with another big eruption when Yosemite blows up and we all die. Yeah, yeah, the Yosemite Calderon. Fun. I don't know how to say that word. We'll die in Iowa. We're like in the direct like yeah, jet stream path. I'm happy we get with that. Fifty feet of ash. I want that. I know we don't want that, but if it's going to go, I, I don't want to. I don't, don't want to limp around. Nuclear winter in Canada <laughs> or in South America. I want to be. The Earth flips around or yeah, something, and all of a sudden, I want to be right there. That's that's like the the argument for being at the missile silo. When the, mm-hmm. the nuclear event happens, because I I just want I want to catch that bad. Turn boy. me into a mist, <laughs> into a fine mist. Yeah, this was fun. All right, dude. Time for you to pee. I do. All right. Cool. Thanks for coming in. Talk later. Adios. See, I told you I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to healthcare, but you know what? Neither does Duncan. So ha. Uh, I really am kind of sorry you had to live through that. Maybe you picked up some thoughts uh, in there that that would help frame a discussion, but definitely you didn't get any good, solid information or data on healthcare. Because, yeah, 
Oh, well, whatever. Um, but hopefully you enjoyed the, the bits about uh, what Duncan had been doing the last couple of weeks, including trip to Kakama, the Creation Museum. And I'm hoping actually to do more podcasts on Kakama because we will do those podcasts for the church. And I'm probably just going to drop them out on uh, all the things as well because they're just such great podcasts. To listen to team members describe their experience is just fun. It's absolutely awesome. So I'll probably do that. And I had a request from somebody to do a podcast on prayer. So I'm going to try and line something up there too. I think I mentioned that earlier. If not, whatever. I'm still tired. That's how it is. And um, yeah, get a hold of me if you want at Luke underscore Tim on Twitter, uh, Luke underscore Tim Instagram, Luke Tim on Facebook, all the things with Luke Tim at gmail.com. That's everything. All right. Peace out, guys. Until next time. Be good.